right it's time it's time we are back the end time wrestling brothers the end time wrestling brothers of destruction as tk would call us so we're back again with another one we never went through this am i kane or are you kane i feel like i'm kane you're kane yes because i'm the younger brother even though kane technically nowadays isn't getting a lot of love from people but we're not going to get into that because I don't get into politics and I don't give a fuck about politics. So Politics involves contracts. We don't understand either. <laughs> God damn it. We're back. Episode number 12, if I'm not mistaken, because apparently we still know how to count. <laughs> Wrestling on the Rocks still is their favorite number. Number hey, one. They're, they're number one. And they're always going to be number one. They're the best. They have the best podcast gimmick ever. Like... What fucking show can say every episode is episode one and everybody just go doesn't question it? At least they can accept the fact that <laughs> they can't get an episode right and has remember, to continuously do episode one. Remember, they don't, they don't get it right. So they all are stuck until they get to episode two. Yeah. Remember, started from the bottom and here we remain, as he says, as Marsh says. I'm going to be 94 when they get to episode 2. I, I'd probably be dead by the time they get to <laughs> episode 2. Like, boy oh boy. But anyway, we're here to talk AW NXT for this week. This week's been, I guess you could say, pretty eventful. It's It's been a, it's been a doozy of a it's week. It's been as eventful as it's going to get, honestly. Like, I don't know any other way it would get, like, crazy eventful. Like... So far, like, but we're gonna do we? Let's talk about this. Earlier, Pat McAfee had Vince had Vince McMahon on there. Mm-hmm. It was a really fucking great interview. Yeah, like it's weird to see Vince that laid back. It, ever. I said this the entire time watching it. It it's so weird to see Vince McMahon in a scenario where he just gets to sit and just. Just basically bullshit. Well, remember what Pat said. It's the his first interview in 15 years. That's fucking nuts. He he was he looked like he was having a hell of a time, though. He started off very fucking low with his volume. Like I said, every mic in the room is at 90. My volumes and my voice is at 6. You know? Like, he was so, like, light-spoken when he was talking. And I was like, <laughs> uh, Vince, you can talk louder. I know it's tough for you but you can talk louder like pat's mat like pat's mics are probably cranked all the way up at that point yeah and just the uh i i was telling uh you when you got home from work Mm -hmm. it was so weird listening to not only was it weird to listen to, to vince mcmahon just basically have a normal conversation with someone and talk about like mm-hmm. himself as a child yeah but, like, him cursing was just... <laughs> the fact that I heard Vince McMahon say 
shit. Fuck. I mean, the one time asshole. we heard him ever curse was the fucking time during him and Shane, and it got censored out. <laughs> that was the closest we got, was, I'm gonna give you the fucking beating of a lifetime. I like, mean, he, he basically just admitted to fucking child abuse on live TV. <laughs> He's just like, yeah, I'm gonna beat your fucking ass. Yeah, Vince <laughs> is the only guy who can get away with that if he wanted. It's his own son. It's yeah. televised child abuse, and he can get away, <laughs> he can get away with it. So I mean, he's do- he's done it before, yeah. except for it was on pay per view, yeah. and it was his daughter with it, a pipe again. <laughs> he even did it on WrestleMania with Shane. Remember? Yeah, but that was worth it. That was worth every second, though. That wasn't yeah. child abuse. That was that was. <laughs> Just parents fighting. But he threatened child abuse on Shane the second time, though, with the yeah. whole... I'm gonna beat your fucking ass yeah. and give me a beat you deserve. <laughs> but the one thing coming out of that was we found out that he's inducting The Undertaker, which, again, I'm gonna be happy with it either way because just because Vince and Taker, how much of a like a relationship the two of them have... It's going to be great, because I don't even think Vince is going to be able to contain himself that well. He even said it in the interview. I don't know if you got to the point, I mean, that look point at, yet. He said it in the interview. It's probably the hardest thing he's going to have to do. I mean... Is induct him into the Hall of Fame. I mean, we watched his reaction. I don't remember if it was during the Last Ride documentary with Vince, where he just broke down talking about The Undertaker, because that's how much The Undertaker means to WWE. And to him, like, it's it's going to be tough. Because just imagine what we're going to see when he gets up to that mic and has to start talking about The Undertaker. I don't even think Vince is going to hold it together. No. I don't even think Taker is going to hold it together. He's not going to be able to. I don't even think Taker is going to hold it together. Like, if he comes, like, again, if he gets his big moment where he comes out WrestleMania, does a full fucking entrance to stand in the ring and have the crowd fucking give him that acknowledgement... I don't even think... I think we're going to see The Undertaker shed a tear. Yeah. Like, he's probably going to get emotional. Like, it's going to be fucking an absolute, like, tear fest. An absolute... Like, tissues are going to be needed for a lot of us. There's going to be waterworks. Like, it's going to be an emotional night. No matter... Even if WrestleMania right now, for some of us, is absolutely just at a state where nobody really fucking is like excited for it there is a few things at wrestlemania that's really like exciting but if taker gets that one moment at least it'll be a moment that we can all just like sit down and just recollect on everything the undertaker did and have this moment to just finally get his last goodbye with everybody and we're all just going to be fucking an emotional wreck at the end of that because my god it's deserved. The Undertaker, yeah, a final no matter good, what we've said, is the greatest of all time. A final goodbye that he actually deserves. Like, yes. There's, I'm not saying that he didn't deserve his final goodbye. Like the, well, I've said this before, and I'm pretty sure i said this on our show before. Yes, you did. The timing of Survivor Series, his, his anniversary, being the time he says goodbye, and the timing of that being in a global pandemic was just awful. Yeah, that was... The worst timing you could ever have. Yeah. 30 years of The Undertaker, and it just so happens to fall on Survivor Series that has to happen in the middle of a fucking pandemic. Yeah. It's, Where he's surrounded by fucking Panasonic TV screens. Yeah, at this point, it's better 
that it's at the place where he's known for WrestleMania. He's already he's now been inducted in the Hall of Fame. Just give him that moment. It doesn't have to. I don't want him to be that guy to stand on the fucking ramp like everybody else is going to do. Just wave like, oh yeah, yeah. No, Taker needs that one final last entrance. Like if Kane, with his induction last year, was able to get one last fucking fire summon. Yeah. Taker could have one last fucking entrance. I don't care if his entrance is fucking 35 minutes I don't long. care if his entrance is the entire first half of night one and or night two. Whichever one they do the whole, here's the recollection of who got inducted in the Hall of Fame thing. Taker gets a full entrance. That's it. And the the thing about the Hall of Fame is, is that it, it's been reported, and of course reports are fucking bullshit. Yeah, because fuck the dirt sheets. Being, it was reported that they did think about Taker being a solo induction, but they decided not to make that a thing. I mean, either way, I get it that it's, it, I, either way, it would have been right. I get that Mania is 30 days away, but Mania is 30 days away, and we only have The Undertaker going into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, like nobody else has even gotten a sniff of an announcement of who else is going in. Yeah. If we don't get any soon... They actually are going through with just Taker, mm-hmm. which again, either way, if it's somebody, if anybody else gets added to this, like the field of inductees, again, it's not going to be that bad. But I know a lot of people are so dead set on saying the Undertaker is that fucking like worth getting all that recognition that he should just be inducted by himself. It makes sense because of where we are for Mania again. Either, either way, it's going to be a fucking great night to watch the fucking Hall of Fame. I yeah. know a lot of people are all, oh, if Hall of Fame doesn't mean shit. Yeah, well, guess what? The Undertaker's going in the Hall of Fame. WWE's Hall of Fame. The guy who, who's who been in that company forever. And, uh, like, sure, they've made the Hall of Fame sort of, like, not as important. Like, I would, I would say as soon as they made the celebrity wing a thing... It was sort of like just downplaying the whole purpose of a Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Like, there, there's no way that Drew Carey being in one segment ever in WWE history in a Royal Rumble where he threw himself out because he was about to get chokeslammed by Kane deserves a Hall of Fame induction. Yeah. Like, even fucking, you know... And, and fucking Donald Trump. Like, I guess... I guess Trump makes more sense than fucking Drew Carey. Trump made sense because of the fact of how much, how many times he's, like, they've had shows at his freaking plaza and everything else, and plus the whole stint of when he was there at the show, so it made sense. And that's the thing, the celebrity wing, at least... And it's I'm not like, because of fucking politics, so if anybody's gonna start coming at us for fucking politics, go fuck yourself, because we don't talk about politics here. You know, fuck don't, that we shit. We don't give a flying Don't fuck give about two politics. shits about any fucking politics. You can eat a dick. But, at least, like, Drew Carey's Hall of Fame induction doesn't make any sense. All the other ones really... Make a lot of sense. Regis Philbin makes fucking sense. He's been around wrestling for as long as he's been, or like when, for as long as he was alive. Like last year was uh, Ozzy and William Shatner, which makes sense. Which are both perfect. Yeah. Uh, 
Snoop Dogg went into the Hall of Fame. Snoop's is, like, questionable, if you want to say. I mean, I guess. Other than, what, the WrestleMania stuff with Maria and Santino, like, what else was Snoop Dogg really doing in WWE that really warranted him to do that? I guess because he did fucking Sasha's theme song, and he came out with Sasha that one day. Yeah, I guess it's okay. Like I said, it's... It's it's the Hall of Fame. As much as everyone gives it shit, just stop giving it shit and realize what it is. It's celebrating fucking legends that we know and have watched for fucking centuries, if you want to say. I'm not even going to say years. Centuries. Yeah, and as much as we're trying to defend the Hall of Fame, we can also admit that there are some very obvious people that don't necessarily deserve it. I mean, yeah. We know when there's people like, that don't deserve it. You, we could say all along that he was popular and all that stuff, and he was a recognizable face back in the day. Mm-hmm. But what in the flying fuck, besides have a bird, did Coco Beware deserve to be in the Hall Wow! Of That's not nice. He had a bird, and he was a fan favorite. You know who who else is a fan favorite? Eugene, but he's not going to be in a fucking Hall of Fame. <laughs> Why? Because he played a special kid. <laughs> God, it's just, again, we give, uh, everyone gives the Hall of Fame shit. Let's just, for this fucking time, not fucking be that kind of person, because realize this, it's The Undertaker. This is it. Like, we're not gonna see The Undertaker anymore. We got to enjoy the time we had with him Mm -hmm. while he was here. And now it's time for us to get that fucking, even himself, to get that moment where we can all just fucking shed a tear, fucking thank you, Taker, till our fucking voice is gone. Like, it's going to be an emotional fucking night. Even for Vince. Vince is not going to be able to fucking contain himself that night. Mm -hmm. If he doesn't break during the speech of his own speech, he's going to break during Taker's. And if he doesn't, he'll probably be out there with Taker when Taker fucking comes out there. If, when Taker should come out there and do his full entrance, he'll probably be backstage. We probably won't see him, but the man will probably just fucking break down and cry. He's not going to be able to contain himself. Should we, uh, should we briefly talk about the other thing that was said during the interview? The Pat McAfee having a match thing? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Vince McMahon basically just straight up offered Pat McAfee a match at WrestleMania. They didn't say against who. They said that he would... Vince said that he would find a worthy opponent. Yes. So, technically, the opportunity of... Well, the possibility of Vince and McAfee's match still is a possibility. But... I think the odds are really low yeah. that it's going to be Vince and Pat. I think it's. I think the odds are in, insanely low. Which, again, we went in on that fucking shit. When we saw the announcement that it was Vince building a match, wanting to build a match to start with Pat McAfee. Which, again, I didn't want to fucking see any of that shit because I don't fucking care about fucking dirt sheets. But everybody that I fucking follow has to be, like, I am I follow fucking wrestling fans on Twitter because I want to fucking see what people, like, what wrestling fans have to say. And I know the fucking IWC is toxic as a motherfucker. 
But when all, when you fucking go on Twitter and you have to be a fucking journalist, when you're not a fucking journalist, you just see this stuff and you're like, oh, well, I saw Dave Meltzer say this and I got to go on my own Twitter and be like Dave Meltzer and talk about this per Pro Wrestling Insider, per Fightful, per Wrestling Inc., per fucking cage side seats, ringside news, like, just fucking stop with that shit. Yeah, like, it's, I get, I get reading them, and being like, oh, that, that could be cool, or, oh, that could be fucking awful, or, oh, that's fucking stupid, but you don't have to go, and like, sharing your opinion on your, the timeline. Mm-hmm. But, going on the timeline, and reading a report, and being like, oh, well, guess we gotta send it out there per Wrestling Observer newsletter. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Like, you're not Meltzer. You don't. You pro- you really don't. You want don't associate to yourself with fucking Meltzer, <laughs> especially Dave Meltzer. You don't want to be Meltzer. You don't want to be Sean Ross Sapp. You don't want to be Brian Alvarez. You don't want to be fucking any of those fucking stooges yeah. on fucking social media because ninety nine point nine percent of the time they're wrong. Yes. JBL said it perfectly. Meltzer was so good to have in the back pocket for WWE because they they would feed him false information and then he would believe it, send out the information, and then boom, they would just do the opposite. You want to know what's the best thing about it? Is Meltzer makes himself look like a fucking idiot. Yes. Because he's the guy that's got to fucking go, oh, well, plans change when he gets fucking proven wrong. He's got to come up with the fucking easy out for himself where he goes, well, plans changed. Guess what, Dave? How about you just fucking suck it up and say you were fucking wrong? <laughs> say that you're fucking played like JBL literally admitted to Literally. You, you got JBL played like a fucking JBL fiddle. admitted that to everyone that you, were, you continuously get played by WWE. Yes. You're a fucking moron. Like, the the dirt sheets need to go. I don't know how you fucking do it, but the dirt sheets need to go. Like, everybody bitches and complains that there's no fucking surprises in wrestling. Well, you wonder why there's no fucking surprises in wrestling. We listen to fucking Meltzer and Sean Ross Sapp and all these other fucking people who just get an uber fucking following because they're like, I have connections backstage in WWE and AEW and all this other shit. Fuck off. Fuck off. <laughs> it's not a wrestling fan then. You, If you're a fucking journalist, you're not a wrestling fan. You can't be both. It just doesn't fucking do anything because you're the guy that's got to go, oh well, per WWE, my sources, this is going to happen like... Go fuck yourself, dude. Go and ruin the fucking surprise because you got to make everybody read your fucking articles. Like, eat fucking dick. There's only one, like, wrestling, like, uh, reporter and, like, Twitter account that I actually, like, follow and actually stay in, like, like, paying attention to. Which is wrestle votes? I don't even because, follow them because again, because they actually like they'll say we heard something, which is actually sort of cool, and they don't say any information about it. That was the one thing when I did actually follow them originally. They were the only good source that I've ever seen because they don't fucking spoil it straight up. Yeah, they, they drop fucking weird subtle hints that sound like it could be right, 
But it's not a direct fucking thing that just says, well, this is going to happen at WrestleMania. This is going to happen. There's somebody backstage at Raw, like... And I'm not saying that they're 100% right. They're just a lot more tolerable to look at on your timeline compared to fucking Alvarez or fucking Sap or Meltzer or any of those fucking right? cockheads. Yeah, because everything that fucking those fucking dirt sheets report is direct fucking spoiler. Direct spoiler. Yeah. Like, Instead of going, yeah, uh, fucking the planets for Edge and AJ Styles at WrestleMania. Instead go, we got a pretty decent match for Edge coming up at WrestleMania. <laughs> that's not decent. That's big. That's well, a big you, fucking, that's you, a dream match. You know what I mean. It's a dream match. And if fucking people weren't reading fucking dirt sheets and going, well, Edge is clearly going to face AJ at this point. Yeah, well... How about you fucking pay attention and watch the show and then go, hey, look, we're about to get AJ Styles and Edge. Like, that's enough to make you want to go, yes, not have it get spoiled for you and go, huh, 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 that was okay. If I didn't already fucking know about it months ago, well, maybe if you didn't fucking read that shit, fucking... We're on another tangent. I don't care. No, back, back on the fucking topic, uh, <laughs> like we said... Vince just straight up offered Pat McAfee a match at WrestleMania. The the chance that fucking the odds of it being the Vince odds are of low. it being Vince are low, but it's still a, technically a possibility. It'll probably be Austin Theory. Yeah, I don't know anybody else. It would be, and we went. I guess like we went in on it the first time because it was the way it was described was it was gonna be Vince wrestling again and that's just not something that needs to happen yeah, it's not the, something the that way, anybody really wants to see the way it was described was that they were gonna build it during the interview mm -hmm. like they're gonna build the story during the interview and i was just waiting for like fucking austin theory to just like pop up out of nowhere and just fucking blast mcafee in the back of the head with like something something and fucking start building something mm -hmm. something but they just vince was just like uh, we we want you to have a match at WrestleMania, have the opportunity to wrestle on the biggest stage of them all, and fucking Pat McAfee's like, there's no fucking way you just said that, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, again, if it's going to be theory, like, it's more than likely going to be theory because of the whole Vince being, like, paired with Austin Theory right now. It makes more sense for it to be theory, and I think I'd rather it be Austin Theory because at least... It gives Theory a WrestleMania moment because he's on WrestleMania. Yes, it's against Pat McAfee, a guy who's not a wrestler, but he can wrestle. Yeah. Like, it's a it's going to be a fucking good WrestleMania moment for him. Not only just for him, but also for Pat. It's mm -hmm. going to be worth to watch it. Because McAfee is fucking great. We've From what we've seen when he wrestled twice, the man is fucking awesome at wrestling. Like, if he wasn't, like, if since, I believe he's retired from football. Yeah. So, if he literally wasn't doing commentary, the man could wrestle. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't be fucking against it. Because Pat McAfee's that good. And I know a lot of people give Austin Theory shit. But, come on. Do you see the fucking kid? He's outstanding. Absolutely fucking outstanding. And I'm loving the pairing with Vince. Yeah. I think it's honestly working. It's actually working very well. Yes, it's not like blatantly fucking like, oh, well, that's not working. No, it's working. And it's not like being with Vince is like, Vince is trying to like 
over push him and push him into situations. Yeah. Like he's getting like big title opportunities, but he's not like he's winning them. Yeah. The man will win a title. If he doesn't win a title, I'd be surprised. Yeah. It would be he shocking. Can, he if he, he deserves to win a title. Even if it's a mid card title. Like if you're gonna build it up, you give him the United States title. You give Finn a nice solid run with the fucking US title and you have him lose it to Austin Theory. Plain and simple. But like it's just it's gonna be worth it. Like in the end, I again, is there a percentage that it might be Vince? Yes, but it's very in my opinion very minute. Yeah. I think the odds of Theory being the match fits I think better. the odds in general to begin with were low. Yeah. But like no one knows what goes on in the mind of Vince McMahon. Right? Nobody does. Nobody knows. Nobody knows what goes on in fucking Vince McMahon's head. He could honestly think that he is in shape enough and in good health to mm-hmm. have a match. I mean, you can't say he's not in good shape. Well, yeah, of course. He's the a, man is he's, fucking Jack. He's the genetic jackhammer. I mean, out, outside of the nickname, the man's Jack to shit. Yeah. For 76 years old, I would want to look like Vince McMahon, for Christ's sake. Yeah. Like, come on. How could you not? The man's fucking ripped. So, he's, yeah. He's 76 years old. <laughs> he was on muscle and fitness, for Christ's sake. And that was, like, not that long ago. It was, like, a few years ago. Yeah. It's not like... It's not like we're saying that Vince is, like, not in shape to fucking wrestle. But we're saying that Vince McMahon has never had a good match in his ty- entire career. I don't remember any really good ones. Honestly. The best thing about Vince, Vince McMahon matches is watching Vince McMahon get his ass kicked. Yes. That's the point of Vince McMahon matches. Yeah. You want to see him get the shit kicked out of him. And that's what Vince McMahon matches do. But if, you, if you've never, if, if there's somebody who's listening to this and has never seen a Vince McMahon match, don't. <laughs> it's just... But if I have to, if I have to give an example of, of a good Vince McMahon match and a awful Vince McMahon match, if you want to watch an awful Vince McMahon match, choose any of them. But anyway, <laughs> I mean, the worst one I can give, possibly... We can give the Shawn Michaels one. The fucking. worst one I could possibly think of is him and Brett at yeah. WrestleMania 26. But that's, that, there's an example. There's a reason for that. Vince is at his age. And Brett not, is... And Brett is fucking is inactive in as a awful motherfucker. awful condition. Yes. But, like you were saying, Vince's match with Shawn Michaels is probably his best match. Probably, I because would say. it's Vince McMahon. I know. Ass maybe some people would throw the Hogan match in there. That is another good one. That's a tough one, but I still think I think the Shawn Michaels one, yeah. either that or Shane, even even Shane at WrestleMania mm-hmm. is probably up there as probably the better Vince McMahon matches. Yeah. Like, but I think we're safe for now about worrying about is Vince gonna wrestle. So. Fingers crossed, though. But. If you haven't, if you missed the Pat McAfee interview, I highly recommend going back. I still have to finish it, but from what I've seen from it, I think it's fucking awesome. Yeah, I think it's, it's great. It's really interesting to sit down and yes. listen to Vince McMahon talk about like himself, and then not only that, but uh, Pat McAfee have the balls 
yes. to ask some of these questions. Like he asked about the lawsuit with the World Wildlife Foundation yeah. or fund or whatever yeah. it is, the panda, mm-hmm. and fucking asking about how competition drives them. And he brings up fucking TNA and Pat Impact literally brought and up AEW. TNA and AEW in front of Vince, and Vince didn't even like scowl. Looked like he was ready to choke him out or anything. Like, he just literally just sat back and he's like, yeah, competition drives me, you know? Like, I'm into these these confrontations. Like, I'm like, all right, well, fucking hell, man. And also, Pat bringing up the, uh, the mass releases mm-hmm. as well. Just straight up just asks him about the releases. Yeah. Fucking Vince McMahon's face. Again, I know we all fucking, we all go on our own tangents for it. Because it sucks. It really fucking sucks. And I know it's a business. I know it's a business. They're doing business things. But it's it's so hard to not get mad at it. Yeah. Like, you see how much, to me, the roster is suffering. It's just so fucking watered down. But it, it, it sucks to see all those people go. Like, it's always going to suck. Like, yes, it's a business. It's business moves. We get it. But, like... It's still not easy to fucking just comprehend and go, yeah, I'm, I, the, the main idea was to see people that we really like make it to the big stage. WWE is the big stage. You see them get there, and then it's just like, oh, man, what do you expect? You don't expect us to just sit back and go, oh, yeah, this is fine. Don't worry. I'm so accustomed to this that I'm fine with this. No. Not gonna be fine with this. Like it's yeah, it, it's the the concept of releasing people is not the problem. Yeah, it's the and it's not the problem that they're gonna go out and more than likely go out and do like tremendous things. Yes. like you can look at literally anybody who's been released in the past fucking two years. Yeah, and point out hundreds of them. Yeah, that have been have gone on to. Like great success. Yeah. Athena just had her match with fucking Thunder Rosa. Thunder Rosa. Which is outstanding. Cross is back on the fucking independent circuit and doing movies as well. He's actually going back to MLW again. Yeah. Recently. So fucking, fucking Keith Lee's in AEW. Yeah. Uh, the whole sh- slew of fucking, fucking people. Buddy are Matthews. Another fucking prime executive. AEW. Motherfucker went back to the to the to the Indies. He went to the Indies and fucking wrestled around there for a little bit. And literally, he went to Japan and wrestled Okada. Mm-hmm. Come on. And now he's signed with AEW. He's back on TV. Fucking like, uh, perfect. Bronson Reed Jonah. He's been in fucking, fucking Japan. He's been in Impact. He's killing it everywhere right now. Like, he's fucking fantastic. We're not denying that fucking... I'm not saying that Jonah wasn't good beforehand, but Jonah is fucking great. Yeah, we're not denying that the releases are... More better than to be in than to be in WWE, yeah. but it's the whole concept of getting invested in these people, yeah, and then having them fucking just ripped away. Yeah, it's it's again, it's, it's just a waste of your fucking time and energy. Yes, it's again, it's warranted sometimes. And then it feels I, like it's. Warranted. And then I know you could say, oh well, then you could just get invested to them and in whenever they're going, but it's like. You may or may not have the fucking readily available fucking... It's, again, it's like I've said. It's feel... Because, again, it feels like they're going backwards. When you hit WWE, that's the fucking... Like, that's the fucking peak. That's like reaching the mountaintop and then all of a sudden fucking stumbling and falling down. Yeah. Like, 
it, it sucks. And that's why AEW's like, to me, as much as people don't, there's 50-50 opinion on AEW. People love it, people hate it. Like, it's definitely, and then you got the people that are indifferent, like us. We like, hate both, like anything. Like, WWE has their things we hate. AEW has their things we hate. WWE has things we love. AEW has things we love. Like, mm-hmm. Impact, I wish I could fucking get back into them. Because I would love to put them, add them to this fucking show. Like, I re- we did the recent pay-per-view. I had to fucking do that because it was so good. Because it outbeat, it beat everything that week. Like, everything that we were fucking talking about. It, like, their pay-per-view beat it. And I'm just, I love watching their pay-per-views. But I just can't get into their weekly show. It just doesn't work for me. But I want to get back into their weekly show because I was a fucking Impact guy. I liked fucking Impact. Or when it was TNA, I liked TNA. I loved having that in the weekly schedule to watch. I just have such a hard time getting into their weekly show. But I'll sit down and watch their pay-per-view and I fucking love it. It's just, it's so fucking bizarre. And it's like, again, it's, it's one of those things where WWE's the peak. It's the top of the mountain. You hit the top of the mountain, and that's where you want to see them stay. You don't want to see them go backwards. Yeah. But it's like, even when they go backwards, it's like, it's 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 one of those situations where it's better for them, yes. So, it, it's again, it's a, it's a jumbled fucking situation with mm-hmm. it. So sometimes, like I said, the anger of the, the anger and the, the, the tirades that you get from people are kind of warranted sometimes. Like, as much as people are like, well, why are people getting all mad? Yeah, well... Maybe you fucking realize there's a reason why we get mad. Like, yeah, we get it. It's a business thing. But it's still kind of hard not to get mad at about it in the end. Like, Yeah, but there's been so many releases at this point that, for me personally, I'm just, I'm over getting fucking tired or, like, upset about it. Me too. And I know there's people that will get released that have been released that don't really surprise me in the end. Yeah. Like, you if know, there's any sort of releases, I'm pretty sure we could probably expect Yeah, something. that's like, if, if people, like, if any other, like, I'm not trying to fucking force this to happen at all, and I hope it doesn't, but if at any fucking point somebody gets released in the near future, it's gonna be one of those situations where it's gonna be either, well, I kinda saw this coming, so not really gonna get mad at it. Because I, I think we're at the stage now where at if somebody gets released at this point, there's some reason, there's one main reason why. Yeah. So. Like, that's that's how the most recent batch was mm-hmm. sorted to me. Like, with Thatcher and Birch. I mean, they weren't doing like shit that. with, like, I mean, even NXT was not doing shit with Thatcher. Yeah, they're, they're not gonna, they're, they don't fit the current mold. Yeah, no. And that's why I, I say that after Stand and Deliver, the people that fucking are more than, like, you could point out as labeled as fucking black and gold people. Yeah. Champa is clearly, obviously, after fucking Stand and Deliver, is main roster bound. Yeah. He's already been on the main roster. He, he's fucking already gotten a new theme. Uh. He's got... He's literally already built for the main roster. It's literally... He's going up. LA Knight needs to go up as well. Pete Dunn needs LA to Knight go up. LA Knight is probably going to go up. If Pete yeah. Dunn... Pete Dunn is literally in that situation Pete where Dunn, if he doesn't go up, he's gone. Yeah, that's Pete it. Dunn needs to go up. 
Grimes needs to go up. Fucking MSK needs to go up. Raquel needs to go up. Dakota Kai needs to go up. EO needs to go up. Hell, even Kaylee Ray could go up. Kaylee Ray needs to go up. Yeah. Like, there's people that you can see would go up. And then there's people that if they don't go up, this is it. So when the, and if it does happen, I'm not gonna be mad at it because you 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 see that they don't fit that situation anymore. Yeah, they don't they don't right? fit. It's 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 like the same thing with Johnny. Here's my thing. Johnny was that guy where he just pretty much to me, like I said, he he another one that doesn't that doesn't look like he wanted to go to the main roster. So yeah. that's why he let his contract expire, and he walked away. Like if he wasn't gonna go up, I, I there was no way he was staying. Well, the thing about Johnny is I don't think he I don't think he didn't want to go up because he was going to have a kid. He already said a while ago that NXT was his home. Mm-hmm. But the problem is he doesn't fit the scenario. And now that mm-hmm. he has his kid, I think that he'll pull I think personally for me this is fantasy booking, I know, but no. uh I think personally that he'll probably work out a contract with WWE. So you think he comes back? I think he goes back. That was going to be my que- that's going to be my question. Does he, he come back? I feel like he does, and he goes up to the main roster. If he doesn't, what happens? He probably goes to AEW. I saw, I believe it was Alliance Pro Wrestling Network, who talked about that he would fit an Impact. Yeah, it's the same thing with Cesaro, mm-hmm. where they talked about how Cesaro. Where we even talked about it, Cesaro would be would fit perfectly in Impact. It's a good pickup. It's a great pickup for them. You lost somebody in Josh Alexander. You replace him with somebody that's just as fucking good. Yeah. In Cesaro, it'd be perfect. And honestly, Johnny would fit well in Impact. If he yeah. doesn't fucking go to, if he doesn't come back, I don't want to be that guy and say AEW because you know indie guy like it would make sense if he's if he's hell bent on still being the indie guy AEW is the spot but if he wants to kind of you know branch off and do something different i would highly suggest impact yeah something give them a big name like another big name that would be like that i honestly think would fit there but i i, I personally feel like he's going to He's going to realize all these people that, like, everyone and their mother thought Kevin Owens was leaving. Yeah, where's time where we all thought he was leaving? He he resigned, and he literally said, there was no other option for me. I did what's best for my family and and my kids. That's that's a thing that I could see for Johnny coming back. Yeah, I feel like Johnny's going to do the same exact thing. It's because it would benefit his family. And I think, again, I I love Johnny Gargano. I I know you're skeptic when it comes to Johnny Gargano. But I love Johnny Gargano, and well, that man... I can admit that Johnny Gargano is a fantastic wrestler, but when he's trying to be goofy, he's awful. He's one of the worst characters when he's trying to be goofy. Yeah, I can even say that. But... Like, I like I enjoyed the way to a, to a point, but there was times that it got just a little ridiculous. Yeah. Just a little ridiculous. So, 
We should probably get onto the fucking <laughs> topics of the goddamn show. We're we're we're, we're almost forty minutes. We're forty deeper. minutes in. We haven't even reached NXT two point We haven't even covered a show yet. Hold on. So let me let me transition. Speaking of NXT, <laughs> let's talk about NXT two yeah, So NXT two this week show was really good again. Like it's it, NXT, even though it's. At the point where everyone is still indifferent on it, because a lot of people are still. Oh my god, it's not black and gold again. I again, I again, I will say I preferred black and gold over two but again, I like two It's not one of those things where I'm gonna go like, oh well, I'm a two, I'm a black and gold guy. Get this shit off my TV. Like the thing, I think the more I watch two the more I enjoy two because as much as I loved Black and Gold, and as much as they put on fantastic quality, like, TV slash fucking shows on mm-hmm. fucking network or pay-per-views mm-hmm. on the network, th- there was nothing you could... The more you go back and watch, is the more you realize that the people, they're already... They've already built themselves. Yeah. So, if they go up to the main roster, they're screwed. Yeah. It's literally main roster or nothing. It's They're already built up as this fucking... They already built themselves up on the main... Or the indies. So when they go to NXT, you're like, Oh, great, we get to see fucking these indie darlings in NXT. Mm-hmm. But they are already built themselves at a, as a certain, like, persona. And this they have this own their own egos. That's... To the point that they get bring up to the main roster. And they're like, well... This this doesn't really fit our current scheme, and this doesn't really fit, and this doesn't really fit, and then they feel off. This they're they're building be they're being built in. <laughs> there we go. They're being built in the mind and the fucking persona of WWE. This current WWE. That's why I'm saying this. Like with NXT 2.0, what like the one thing like I know we all used to just have fucking conniption fits. When somebody from Black and Gold got caught up, like got called up, and we always got to change somehow, you know, different look, different music, different this, different that, you know. Yeah, like when, when NXT first started, Karen Cross, for instance. Like when people when people first started getting called up from NXT, like you had your Tyler Breezes and people like that. They were getting called up, and. People were so excited to see these people get called up. Mm-hmm. And eventually it reached a point that people were getting called up and they're like, Oh, this guy's getting fucking called up out of NXT. Fuck. Yeah, this it's... guy's going to get fucking his name changed, his theme changed, or he's going to get character changed. I think that's what, with 2.0, the good thing is what we're seeing in 2.0 as I believe what we're going to get on the main roster. Yeah, when those people we're not gonna have up. to worry about getting fucking a yeah. name change or a character yeah. change for like Carmelo Carmelo Hayes. If he ever goes up to the main roster, we we get what we get. Mm-hmm. We get we get what we're getting now. Braun Breaker, same fucking thing. Like this is it. Like two is literally just this is what we got in developmental. This is what you're gonna get on fucking main roster. It's probably gonna be the same fucking thing, which is fine. It's completely fucking takes all the thing of us losing our minds about a name change and a gimmick change 
and theme music and all that shit like that. Like these people are set now. Yeah. It's 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 gonna work in the end, I feel like. So again, 2.0, we kicked off with the tag match that was made. Braun Breaker, Tommaso Champa versus the Dirty Dogs. This match was fucking awesome. Yeah, it was it was so good. First off, Bobby Roode came out to his old glorious theme song. It felt so weird but so good at the same time. Yes, because everybody loves that theme song. As soon as that shit hit, you hear that piano riff and you hear glorious, everybody loses their shit. Because we don't hear it anymore. We all we hear is the Dirty Dog theme song every time. Or Rudolph, if you're fucking... If you're Matt from Smackin' It Raw, which shouts to Matt. Like, Rudolph, or Dirty Dogs, whichever one you want to call them. They are, hands down, just a fucking great tag team. It's two guys who had... That could have had great solo runs, but you formed a team with them. Yeah. And they just fucking... They're so fucking good. And just... This whole thing with Braun and Dolph and Tommaso Ciampa, it's just, it's all working. And now that you threw Bobby Roode in there, it's working still. There's something about Dolph Ziggler in NXT that feels like, even for Bobby Roode, it feels like a refresh for them. Yeah. It's a refreshing moment in a in a sea of shit for them, of just nothing. It's just like, here's a moment where you guys get to come up for air Instead of drowning in shit, here's your moment to come up and catch a breather and do something with it. Like, it's so fucking worth seeing those two back in NXT. And to see them work with a guy like Braun Breaker, who's already fucking excellent. Who's teaming with Tommaso Ciampa, who's still got his eye on the NXT title. He wants his rematch, but he's willing to help the champion in this situation. Because Dolph's talking shit about him as well. Like, it's immediately worth... Like, this whole feud has been great. Yeah. And the fact also that fucking Tommaso Ciampa came out with the singlet to match with with Braun Breaker. Tommaso Ciampa in a singlet is the fucking weirdest thing I think I've ever seen. Yeah. Champa does not look like he fits in a singlet at all. No. No. He, he doesn't look like he's wore a singlet in his entire life. No, definitely not. And I hope he doesn't because that's fucking weird. Like, again, the stuff that's been going on on Raw to try to promote, like, this feud more, to make you want to go to NXT and watch it, hasn't really been the greatest. Like, I not, I'm not a fan of it. Champa literally was on Raw the one night and did fuck all. Didn't get an entrance, didn't get nothing. Just absolutely fucking nothing. Just showed up on Raw, got jumped by Ziggler, and that was the gist of it. And after that, he wrestles the tag match with Balor against the Dirty Dogs and gets the win with a roll-up. Oh boy, big fucking deal. And I get it. The roll-up's a wrestling move. We get it. It's outsmarting your opponent. I don't care. Fuck the roll-up. I'm tired of seeing fucking roll-ups. I don't care. The roll-up is, like, to me, a cheap way out. It's literally fucking lazy. I get it. Like, the finisher is a power move. We get it. It makes sense. But I just... I, I'm i so sick and tired of roll-ups. I'm tired of seeing roll-ups. I miss, when, I miss the days when people were winning with finishers. It's called a finisher 
for a reason. Like, we get it. The roll-up's the most devastating move in pro wrestling today. We understand. But fuck the roll-up. And then literally got the win where they had the tag match with... Or the singles match with Champa and Rude. Again, rushed match and ended with a roll-up. Just not really my fucking favorite thing ever. So, this tag match was fucking awesome. Yeah. Just so good. I'm loving this whole just Champa trying to defend Braun Breaker against Dolph, like, to help him, but it, it keeps him close to the champion. He wants his rematch so bad, and but Dolph's there to interfere. Dolph's got his back up. Braun Breaker's still just trying to be a, a, a fighting champion, which works. It's all just coming together so well. Like, uh, really well. I love that Ciampa and... Uh... Braun Breaker did the Steiner Bulldog combination. Yes. Near the end of the match, we got the the Steiner Bulldog, which I thought was fucking great, and I bet you Braun Breaker loved that. Yeah. Just to be able to do his um, the move that his dad and his uncle did with somebody that he right now has a lot of respect for in Tommaso Ciampa. Like, he trusted him to go, hey, we should do this. Mm-hmm. Let's do the old Steiner Bulldog, and they pulled it out, and it... Again, it wasn't the cleanest, but it worked. And it didn't finish the match, but... Yeah, no, because the, the, the thing was, it got broken up. It yeah. wasn't somebody kicking out of it, which, again, was perfect way to protect it. Bobby Roode made the save, which was a perfect way to protect that move. Yeah. Fucking Braun Breaker's spear. Fucking violent. <laughs> Fucking violent. Like... He's already gotten one of the best spears yes. already and in wrestling. Always got to give props to Dolph Ziggler. The man can sell his ass off. We know this. But the fact that he fucking got all the way up straight during the fairy tale ending instead of it just going up and just straight down. The fact that he boosted himself up to stand up straight like that for Champa to bring him down in the fairy tale ending. Just fucking Dolph Ziggler does not get enough fucking praise from people to he deserves so much praise just for how good he is how fucking great his selling is the man just pretty much has it all he makes everyone that he's in the ring with look yeah like so much better and it just again it it still sucks that it feels like he does so much for everybody else but gets nothing in return yeah so but this this tag match was fucking great i love this just i i I don't think talking about it half the time does does it justice because it was that fucking good we we so next we saw footage of carmelo and pete dunn showing up at the arena because we had the north american title match which was the main event la knight was cutting a promo because he was making his way out there so we cut to a commercial we came back we got a promo from gunther on Solo Gunta. Sokoa. <laughs> Gunta on Solo Sokoa about how he's going to chop the tattoos off his body and replace them with respect. A match that I was really excited for, but we'll get to that when we get to this match. LA Knight made his entrance. He got the mic. He showed us, he talked about the feud that him and Grayson Waller have been having, about how Grayson left him laying in the parking lot. He took his car. They had the match at Halloween Havoc for who was going to host the show. Like, 
it, it's been a really solid feud. Like, it's working. Mm-hmm. Again, I love Grayson Waller right now. He's an absolute cocky prick, and I fucking love it. And L.A. Knight, everybody loves L.A. Knight. Yeah! Motherfucker just picks up a mic and starts talking. He could make zero fucking sense, and everybody would just sit down and go, Yeah, I understand what L.A. Knight's saying. I don't know what he fucking just said, but I understand what he's saying. <laughs> like, the man can talk his ass off, and he's fucking fantastic at wrestling. Just, this feud with Grayson Waller is working. I just think their match last week, just, I don't know, it was oak, it was good. It just, there was something off about it. Like, we talked about it from last week. It was just, there was something weird about it. It just didn't feel like it picked up. So, but Grayson Waller came out, and he, we got another confrontation, and in the end, we got an announcement for Last Man Standing. So, if this is how we're, if this is going to end the feud... I'm interested. Which it should. Yes. It's last man standing. This should not be a, you have this match and then you gotta have another one. Like, last man standing is another great way to end a feud. Like, as as, like, yes, I'm enjoying the shit out of Grayson Waller and LA Knight. But you're having last man standing. This is where you end it. Like, you don't have another match. Like, this feud's been going on for a long time. Yeah. Like so, you said, it's been going on since October. So, it's time. So, if this is the end, it this is gonna do really well. So, we went backstage after that. We had Indy Hartwell in Persia. Indy accused Persia of being unfocused. So now it's the opposite way. How Persia was saying that Indy wasn't focused. Now it's the opposite way where Persia's not freaking being focused because she's smitten for Duke Hudson. Like, so they had their first round opening match, which I believe was next, yes, with Dakota Kai and Wendy Chu. This match, again, I enjoyed Dakota and Wendy as a tag team. I really do. Yeah, it, it actually worked really Dakota well. had that look every time they did something together. She's like, whoa, wait a second, this is working? I'm like, yes, Dakota. You don't just... I know you have trust issues right now, but come on. Trust Wendy. She can talk to your invisible voice. Like, make it work. And, again, I, I like Indian Persia, but I... We can kind of see this is coming towards a break. Yeah. They're going to end up breaking up right now. And it sucks to lose another tag team, but I, I just see them breaking up with everything that's happening. And, in the end, we got... Dakota and Wendy getting the win. They got the double stomp. We had the the double stomp after I do not remember. Oh, it was the Vader bomb. Yeah. Yeah. Wendy hit the Vader bomb. Dakota hit the stomp. They got the three count on Persia, which again, it was perfect storytelling with that. It's Persia still not being focused. And Indy actually, you saw Indy's face. It just shocked. Like, wait, we're out? Like, really? Like, again, it was good storytelling. They literally beat Persia, the one who everyone right now is saying she's not focused. Mm-hmm. And there was your way to show she's not focused. It's the same thing that happened with Indy. When Dexter was out and she wasn't focused. And you saw it. She was the one always taking the losses. So, it's per- it's good. It's really, really good storytelling. Yes, it sucks. It's going to lead to a breakup probably. But it's good storytelling. It makes sense. I was also really surprised 
with the match that how, like, the double-team finisher was the way they won the match. I thought it was going to be, like, a surprise sort of thing. But it was just sort of like, oh, they, they hit this move, and they won. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Like, it, it wasn't like a an Idris and a fucking Malik Blade type of win, like, where they just did, like, a like a surprise roll-up yeah. kind of thing. It was just like, oh, we're going to do this double-team move, and she does a splash, I do a double-stomp, <laughs> and Indy's nowhere to be found, so I'm going to just pin and win. It was it was a weird... It was kind of like a an eh ending, but again, I thought the match was good. It was really good. I Like I said, I like Indy and Wendy as a tag team right now. Yeah. It's enjoyable. She's, like, questioning it. Wendy's like, just trust me. It'll be fine. And it, it's, it worked in the end. So, next we had oh, your favorite. We, of course, commentary gave us a tag team title preview for the Creeds and Imperium. That's what we said we were going to have before we went to the break. We came back from the commercial. We got the video package for it. Again, I am looking forward to the Creeds and Imperium. My God. Our next match was your fucking favorite. We had Amari Miller versus Lash Legend. I'll let you start. No, it's okay. You can, no, it's fine. Just okay. No, come on. You gotta. You gotta talk about this. Come on. I. I know. Tell us about your favorite Lash Legend. Favorite. <laughs> <laughs> she said it last week she's awful I know I just wanted you to freaking say it I just wanted you to talk about it she's that's why awful and I get that's why she's here but there's there's just people I get that some people and not everyone in this in NXT 2.0 is gonna be great immediately nobody not everyone's gonna be a Braun Breaker or a fucking Tony D or a Carmelo or a Hayes Carmelo or a fucking mm. anyone like that it's going to take time and stuff like that. I get it. I get it. I understand. But I don't want to see Lash Legend. Yeah, I don't. I didn't want to see her as a TV like segment, but that doesn't mean I wanted to see her as a wrestler. <laughs> but we got her as a wrestler. And I was like, you know what? I don't like her as a TV fucking like interview host. So maybe... Maybe she's actually somewhat decent in the ring, or, like, will get somewhere decent in the ring. Mm -hmm. No. Not even a little bit. I said it after the match. She needs still so much work. Yeah. She really does. Like, I am still thoroughly impressed with Amari Miller. I like her. She's, yes, yeah, she's got a bubbly attitude, but, like, she's not that bad. She's pretty good. Last Legend literally doesn't even know. Doesn't it looks like she doesn't even know what she's doing? Like she, she doesn't know where she is when she's in the ring. Yes, she needs again. She still needs so much work. The talk show when you found when everyone finds out that she's a talk show host, it's immediately just oh god, why? And then you watch her wrestle. And it's just as bad. It's not fucking worth. Like, she needs to still be working on it. 
Like, she needs a lot of work. Yeah. She's nowhere near crisp enough to be in the ring yet. She still needs a lot. And she's a tall woman. She's tall as shit. She looks like she's athletic, and I want to like that. But she doesn't fucking use her height and everything else. I feel like it fights against her. She's just so, like, she needs so much work still. Like, that's a perfect way. She doesn't use her stature at all. Mm -hmm. Like, she doesn't. You would think someone that, like, big of a woman, as big and tall and imposing of a woman that she is, would use her size more. And I get... Sure, her finisher was some sort of slam type thing. It was a jackhammer, pretty much. Because she won this match, unfortunately. But (laughs) I get that her finisher was some sort of slam, but that's the only thing she did that was, like, fitting for her size. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, so, Lash She has no, like, interesting offense besides, like, a pump kick. That everyone and their mother does nowadays. Like I said, her her talk show is not interesting, and her wrestling is just the same. It's not interesting. She still needs so much work. She's not. She's she's off timing when it comes to anything. She's just. She needs so. She still needs a lot of work. So much work before I want to see her in the ring again. Like I don't know what it is. She doesn't fucking... She's just not... It's just not working. She needs more work. And that is the nicest thing I can say about it. Is she needs a lot of work still. Yeah. But... Lash Legend got the win. You saw her talking smack at the end of it about how she's gonna fucking confront Nikita Lyons. Which... Oh boy. I feel bad for Nikita. Because at least I was impressed with Nikita. I'm not impressed with Lash Legend. So the two of them are probably going to have a match, come, which we saw was announced, I'm pretty sure, for next not, week. Not the match, but we have a fucking oh, lashing yeah. out with Lash, Flash Legend, because that's what everyone wants to see. Just what I want to watch is these two talk ratchet to each other. It's probably what the fucking entire segment's going to be, and probably. it's not going to be enjoyable at all. Like, it sucks. You had a solid debut for Nikita Lyons and everybody liked her and now you're going to immediately kill a lot of that momentum because you're going to go hey let's watch her and Lash Legend talk ratchet to each other not exciting at all so we had so- Solo Sokoa interviewed talking about how he was going to beat Gunta so there you go I'm not saying Gunther Gunta <laughs> Gunther you know Gunta so Wonka <laughs> we cut to Gunther making his entrance. Gunther! <laughs> we went to a commercial. We came back from the commercial. We had Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen. And then they were pretty much like gawking over something on the phone. Or it was on a laptop. One or the other. Yeah, it was a phone. They were, yeah. they were looking at trucks. Yes. And Electra Lopez walks by and hears them talking about this and assumes they're talking about her, which I don't get how you walking by and you clearly see them on a phone looking at a fucking phone, but you had to stop and confront them. Like they were talking about you. Like 
That didn't make fucking sense at all. I mean, like, I would understand because they said, look at the rear end on that one. And I get... I still don't I understand how, that. I get how you could fucking, like, mistaken that as being like, why are you talking about my ass like that? But you clearly obvious walked past them holding a phone like she this. She walked at them from the angle where she could clearly see what was on their phone. Yeah, and she, then she had to confront them like they were talking about walked her. sideways and then turned. Yes. So they, she literally saw them looking at the phone, turned, and then heard them say, look at the rear end on that one and been like, oh, oh she, they must be talking about my ass! Like, <laughs> it was, it was a weird segment. Because she had to freaking do that and just... I was just like, oh god, that was like kind of... And then we have fucking cringy-ass Josh Briggs again go, Well, I've never been with a real woman! Like, that's no, some that was Brooks of... Jensen. Remember? That's what he said, didn't He I? said Josh Briggs. Oh, whatever. <laughs> fucking Brooks Jensen has to fucking try to flex that apparently he's never been with a real woman. Like, that's some sort of fucking flex. Yeah, that was awful. Like... At the beginning of this, I got a chuckle out of it, but now we're hitting cringe. Like, we're in the cringe section here. Yeah. It's like walking... It's getting hard to watch. Yeah. It's like walking into a fucking grocery store and you fucking slip and fall, even though you saw the wet floor sign. Like, come on. Literally walking down an aisle, see the wet floor sign and be like, ah, I'll be fine. Slips. Oh, God, I wonder why I slipped. (laughs) So... We go to the we go back. We got Gunther and Solo. Gunther and Solo Sokoa. I I'm gonna say this. I think I again. I put way too much fucking like I put my standards in this match way too high. Yeah. Like this was good. I thought this was good. But for some reason, I think I think I thought there was gonna be more. Yeah. The just. Alone, the possibility of a Solo Sokoa Gunta match was compelling. Yes. And everyone thought that it was going to be like a tremendous, fantastic match. Yes. And it was good, Mm -hmm. but it it just didn't live up to what everyone was hoping it was going to be. No, because I think a lot of people put their standards, like put their expectations on this match really high. Yeah. Because I mean, I did too. I could admit that I put my standards high. I'm not saying the match was bad, but yeah. the, mat- the match was good. But it just didn't live up to what I was expecting. Yeah, I think because it's Gunther. And Gunther! Who's a fucking brawler and a half. And you got a guy who calls himself the street champion. He's a street fighter. These two should be beating the shit out of each other. Like, legitimately beating the shit out of each other. And you brought it up during the match about uh, Gunta's chops. Mm-hmm. They, you're a hundred percent right when you said that they don't they don't make the sounds like they used to no. make anymore. They used to fucking echo, and I'm sure they fucking still hurt like a bitch, but they yeah. don't fucking sound like bone snapping. That's what I'm saying. His chops, chops used to sound like gunshots. And now, for some reason, they're just like... I don't know if it's because he's slimmed down as much. But for some reason, there is just nothing. There's no sound to them anymore. Yeah. Like, those shits would echo no matter who the fuck it was. 
Now all of a sudden it's like a regular chop where it just sounds like you just kind of hit them a little bit. And they don't make any noise. And I'm like, fuck. Well, it's definitely not a normal chop because fucking Solo Sokoa had a picture up. Yeah. And you could see his fuck. You could see Walter. Or Gunta's. Sorry. Gunta's <laughs> fucking handprints on his fucking chest. So clearly they're not normal chops. Yeah, clearly. But they're not making the same noise. Yeah, as they're as not as making as noise. That's for damn sure. But again, this was good. It just. I, I, again, I think a lot of us put a lot of high expectations in this. And, and just... who was the one that said about, was it Bishop that said about Gunta? About yeah. how he's how he thinks he's like thinking ahead yeah. too far into the match? Yeah. And I could I could see what uh, Bishop is like I saying get where he's going. That. I think I get where he's going with that, but I think it's because that's what Gunther has been... Gunther! Has been has always been like he's always like steps ahead of you. Yeah. Everybody else needs to get like needs to catch up to him. But the problem with that is, is that uh, Gunta would do that with people who are like veterans to this. Yeah. He's veteran. Like he would mm-hmm. always face like Dragonov. He's a veteran, and or it's been wrestling for years now. Mm-hmm. Fucking uh. Tyler Bate, all Pete Dunn, all these people have been wrestling for years and years and years. Tommaso Champa. Champa. No one knows how long fucking Solo Sokoa has been wrestling yeah. for. Even though he's an, even though he's part of the Anawaii family, I don't know how much he's been wrestling before this. So yeah, it's again, it was one of those things where he had to try to keep up with with Gunther being so far ahead and it's like it's I get like I get where he was going with that like it was again it was one of those matches that had a lot of expectations from a lot of people and it did it did feel like uh Gunther was like so far ahead and then he remembered oh shit I gotta I gotta slow this down a little bit gotta fucking I can't be this far ahead compared to where he's at yeah he's like he's like at step four like Solo's at the current moment and fucking Gunta's, like, approaching the end of the match yeah. in his brain. Yeah, like, it, again, I, I thought it was good, but it needed, it just, it felt like there could have been more Yeah. in the end. So, we got Dolph getting interviewed. He says he's seen the weakness, the weaknesses, and he wants his title match against Braun next week. Who then gets cut off by Tommaso Ciampa, who talks about how he hasn't got his rematch yet. And... Braun Breaker came in after and says, talk, told Ziggler that he's the roadblock. So I guess, again, next week's show is roadblock. So NXT got the roadblock show. Yeah, we have a we have a few things that we want mm-hmm. to say about that, which we'll bring up yeah. towards the end of the show. But he calls Ziggler the roadblock and he can win. And then uh, he, he just, in the end, we end up getting a, a triple threat. So, again, Champa's getting his rematch. Ziggler's actually getting his match. So, I feel like it works in the end, but it's it's roadblock, which is just we have, like I said we have stuff to talk about when it comes to that show. Like yeah, why it's a show on TV. Like a lot of this show, like a lot of this was setting up for roadblock next week, but roadblock is what literally takeover should be i mean to be fair if 
if Stand and Deliver is going to be on the same night as night one of WrestleMania, night one of WrestleMania, we don't know if Dolph has anything planned for Mania. That's what I'm saying. So how is how would he wrestle the Takeover match? And if he has something planned for Mania, he would have to wrestle the match on Takeover, then head to Orlando or head to the fucking stadium that they have WrestleMania and have another match. I mean, in all in, in all seriousness, do you really think Dolph Ziggler is doing anything at WrestleMania? He'll probably be in the Andre Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royale. I honestly hope that match doesn't even fucking happen. I will. It's it's not even worth having. It hasn't done shit for anybody. Nobody. Like everybody who's won the fucking battle royal literally gets like a week worth of fucking attention and that's it. <laughs> then does nothing. But everyone's like but he won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. No, he won a statue. Do you remember who won last year? Nope. At all. It was Jay Uso. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yep. Boy, oh boy. That's because Jay was in the midst of still being, quote unquote, main event Jay. Yeah. But he was winning a Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. You know, but then we look main at event some, Jay. But then we look at some of the other winners that are like Cesaro. The Big Show. Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin. Mojo Raleigh. Matt Hardy. If you can't tell me that that's just not a get everybody on WrestleMania match, then I don't know what is. So, again, we're getting the triple threat. And even if they have it this year, it's so it's mm-hmm. so painfully obvious who would win. Who would win? Omos! <laughs> Fucking Omos. He's so bad. So bad. But, again, we're getting the triple threat next week. And I want to say yes. But, again, this feels like this card should have been takeover. Like, I think Dolph would have been fine missing out on the Andre the Giant Memorial (laughs) Battle Royal. Like, come on. And it really raises the question, if this is happening at Roadblock, then who the fuck is facing Braun at... uh... Stand and Deliver. Yeah, because even the main event had Stand and Deliver-esque something at the end. Yeah, and like they, they teased the fucking Stand and Deliver match. Yeah, which, against who though? Like, so, is, is he gonna fucking, is Braun gonna defend against Ciampa again? Like, in a one-on-one? Uh, I don't know. This is bizarre. But anyway, the triple threat's happening next week. Should be really interesting because it's going to be a fucking awesome match. It's Ziggler, Champa, and Braun Breaker. What else do I have to say to that? But after that, we had Joe Gacy and Harlan. They were pretty much talking about how they were going to decimate Draco Anthony. We ended up going to a commercial. and came back from the commercial. Indy and Persia were in the locker room. Just kind of... Angry at each other for losing. Well, they weren't angry at each other. Persia was, uh, Persia was blaming herself, and then Indy said that, um, it's a team thing, so if Mm -hmm. they lost, it's both of their, uh, Mm -hmm. it's both of their faults. Yeah, so, but Duke came in, gave Persia a hug, pretty much they walked out hand in hand. Indy was, again, disgusted because she can't stand Duke Hudson right now, and doesn't really, I believe she doesn't trust 
Persia Parada with her with him at all. Like she does not want him like anywhere around her because Duke's probably scheming something. But then she wondered where Dexter was, which my wild guess is Duke took him out at some probably. point. So that's why she never got an answer back from him. Well, then we went to Draco Anthony and Harland. This was, again, just Harland looking like a monster. Well, to be fair to Draco Anthony, he did take Harland off of his feet. Yeah, for a fucking flash-in-the-pan moment. But other than that, it was Harland looking like a monster. But he's the first one to take Harland off of his feet. Yeah, but Harland's not a big guy. Yeah, but he hasn't been taken off of his feet until today. Or eh. not today. The show, I don't know. I wouldn't really give that a mind blowing fucking like moment. Like He's just the, Draco Anthony's the first one to actually do offense to fucking Harlan that actually was like effective. I mean, don't get me wrong. Draco Anthony's a pretty big guy. He's pretty like built like a motherfucker, and I wouldn't expect him. I wouldn't say that he couldn't get like pick up Harlan if he wanted to. Like, come on. But again, this was just mainly Harlan just decimating Draco for the most part. Yeah. So, Harlan gets the win, and then we get Joe Gacy getting in the ring and just kind of looks at Harlan. Harlan grabs Draco Anthony, pulls him up, and he gave him a hug, and I'm like, I'm like, (laughs) Joe Gacy's a sick motherfucker, isn't he? I'm like, he told him to do that, didn't he? It's fucking weird. This man just... Can you imagine Harlan giving you a hug? How about no? I'll pass. Dude looks like an escaped convict that would, like, rip your eyeball out and shove it up your nose. I'm sure he probably smells good, though. Why is that your first response? Is he probably smells good. You know, the fucking... The the most psycho people smell the best. What? They probably smell like vanilla beans and fucking, like... Wait. What? (laughs) The, The craziest fucking people... Smell the best. Yeah. What? You don't want you don't want to be fucking being chased and fucking murdered by a guy who smells like sweat and depression. What? So you're telling me that Jeffrey Dahmer, when he was murdering and chopping up bodies, probably smelt like fucking lavender? Yeah, probably. What? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Oh, I think I found the name of the fucking episode. It's probably gonna be lavender scented Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> what the fuck? I can't believe I just heard that. Mind blown. Anyway. (laughs) Carmelo Hayes was interviewed backstage. He says he makes history, and the question won't be who's next, it'll be who's left. Again, I know you're so fucking off with Carmelo's promos. Again, I don't mind his promos. I think they're fine. I just don't like Trick Williams. I don't like fucking a guy who seems like he can talk needing a hype man. It doesn't fucking work. I don't need fucking Carmelo to have his own fucking Angelo Dawkins and just hype everything up. Just blah. So, we got the next match, which was coming up. We had, it was pretty much going to be the the next Women's Dusty Cup match. Because Cora Jade and Raquel Gonzalez made their way. We went to a commercial. We came back from the commercial. Ivy Nile was... Pretty much training backstage. Tatum Paxley walked up. She tried to apologize. 
And then Ivy spoke, which I think this is the first time I think I've ever heard her speak. I don't really remember any other time she spoke. So, but she says, last week was just a taste. And if Tatum wants to be part of Diamond Mine, she'll learn the hard way. Hit one more shot on the freaking bag and then walked away. So, we went back to the ring. We got the quarterfinal the, the quarterfinal match of Cora Jade, Raquel Gonzalez versus Valentina Faraz and Ulisa Leon. Okay, so this match was an absolute roller coaster. This match quality. was an elevator. Like it went up and down, up and down. So at the beginning I thought that Raquel and Cora were good because even now I'm starting to get into Cora. She's actually doing something. It's not her just getting the shit kicked out of her for fucking 10 minutes and then waiting for somebody else to come out and intervene so she can go, well, somebody had to help me get the win because that's all I do. Yeah. She was actually doing stuff. And for a while I was starting to like Valentina and Yulisa. They were showing out pretty well. That dive by fucking yeah, Valentina. That was one spot incredible. where they get to the fucking dive where she catapulted her straight up into the crossbody. She was so fucking high. I got so scared. I'm like, my God, you better fucking catch her. You better fucking catch her. And they did, luckily. I was like, Jesus Christ, that was terrifying. She got so high, and I was just fucking amazed. I thought Yulisa and Valentina were doing so good, and I was actually liking Cora and Raquel. And then it just hit a fucking section where, near the end of the match, it was just a mess. Yeah, they were, it got they were so it got so sloppy. Yulisa and Valentina got sloppy. They had that weird spot where she wrung the arm around for somebody to hit a missile drop kick, and I'm like, what was the point of the the arm ringer? What is twisting her arm affect the fucking missile drop kick? Like it was fucking weird. It just it, it hit so many sections where it just got like this end section. It was like, yeah, are you impressed? Lisa and Valentina look really good. And Cora and Raquel look really good. And then you just hit a section where it just fucking died. The match just went... Fucking quality went down. And the fucking ending was just... So fucking lame. Yeah, that... That (laughs) tag team finisher needs some fucking work. That was so lame. That tag team finisher for Cora and Raquel has zero impact whatsoever. It is literally Miz quality of fucking offense. It is so soft. It was so lackluster because here we are. Raquel hits her her power bomb, her one armed power bomb, and literally has them both down, and picks Cora up in the fucking position to hit her with the power bomb. And I'm like, okay, she's gonna slam her down in like a senton. This is gonna hurt because the way she's throwing her down with the power bomb, it's gonna hurt. And all she does is just rotate on Raquel's arm and just fall. And I was like, okay, could you have made that any fucking lamer? Like, it looked so ridiculous. Like, you had a a great start in the first half of this match. And just near the end, it was just botches and slip-ups. And the match quality just fucking dipped straight the fuck down and then 
you ended it with quite possibly one of the lamest looking finishes I've ever seen in my life, where it was Cora trying to make it seem effective that she hit a splash, but she's so tiny that the splash looked fucking pathetic. Yeah. It literally had no, like, nothing to it. No effective effectiveness It was whatsoever. fucking bizarre. It was just, again, it was such a good match in the beginning, and then it just plummeted. And I was like, damn, you were off to a good start. But you'd fucking shit the bed in the end. But Cor and Raquel are advancing, so... Next we had Saray backstage. She was talking with a bunch of women. I don't really know who the other women were. But gets cut off by Tiffany Stratton. Saray was just... She was talking to them. She gets in there. She called the... Because... Saray was wearing her grandma's brooch. She called it, Tiffany called it tacky and said she had a better one. Saray wasn't interested in it, so Tiffany just threw her into the fucking loading dock gate and then they people intervene and then she walked off. And I'm like, really? This is going to be a feud now? Tiffany's going after Saray because, well, my brooch is prettier Whoa, should I fucking have a stroke now at how fucking amazing this story is? Or should I fucking just shit myself? Because this is fucking stupid. Why? Like, why is Saray getting stuck with this trash? Really? Like, come on. I'm not into Tiffany Stratton. I know you're fine with her, like, but I'm not. I hate this shit. I hate the mean girls fucking... Uh, my daddy was the one who got me this. I don't give a shit what your daddy got you. Maybe your daddy needs to get you a fucking brand new attitude. Because you suck. <laughs> so, Andre Chase made his entrance. This was a match we completely forgot was happening. <laughs> I popped so hard because I heard Andre Chase's theme song. <laughs> I was like, yes, get to see some Andre Chase. And then my brain was like, oh, yeah, right. Yeah, he has a match tonight against Va like, Von. Fuck. Yep. Von Wagner. Yep. So we went to a commercial. We came back from the commercial. We got a Tony D'Angelo vignette. Fucking love Tony D'Angelo. Talked up WrestleMania weekend. And saying that Stand and Deliver will be his showcase and he'll become a made man. Again, we don't even fucking know who Tony D'Angelo is facing. But it should be fucking good. Because if it's actually worth the fucking tease of, well, who is it going to be? It should be fucking good. As long as it doesn't end up being a fucking wet fart in church. That's all I care. So, we got Andre Chase and Von Wagner. <sighs> Do I even want to bother talking about this because it's a fucking... Von Wagner's awful. All right, move on. <laughs> he really is, though. He's just so... I, I swear, I made the perfect comparison to who he's like I could say in the this. ring. I could tell you this. He is... Blind people are lucky. He is so much like Jake Hager. Just without the submissions. Yeah, he looks he's like... He's literally everything that is worse everything that is the worst about jake hager which is yeah. everything <laughs> <laughs> and, 
everything that's the worst about Jake. I mean, Hager we can't shit on Jake just Hager. Von Wagner. I mean, you can't shit on Jake Hager when it comes to his MMA prowess. The how dude's can, pretty good. How can we not look at Von Wagner when he does that fucking same slam that fucking uh, Jake Hager does and be like, I, I wonder who we could compare this guy to. All he needs to start doing is a fucking ankle lock and we're we're good to go. He's just, he's so boring. He is. He's, he's not so boring. He's not fun to watch. He's a fucking charisma vacuum. He's and he's supposed to be this big old fucking. <laughs> he's supposed to be this big old fucking intimidating goddamn figure, and we're supposed to take him seriously when it took him so. It took him this long to be Andre Chase. He's not. He's he's not fun to watch. He's not enjoyable to watch. He was being outsmarted on every fucking occasion. By Andre Chase. When they were outside of the ring, a fucking blind and deaf man could have saw that Andre Chase was going to move out of the way to fucking, so Von Wagner could slam into the goddamn post. But Von Wagner has the IQ of a fucking brick that he didn't notice (laughs) that Andre Chase was going to move out of the way when he's standing next to the post that he slams into the goddamn post. Von Wagner's a fucking idiot. Von Wagner is, again, fucking NyQuil-inducing. And this man had a fucking NXT... This guy had a chance to win the NXT title. That is terrifying. Like, I will say this. His time in that NXT title match wasn't awful. But I watch him nowadays, and the fact that he's a fucking charisma vacuum doesn't help for shit. You see just how fucking boring... And bland he is. He is just a tall guy that can literally fucking put anybody to sleep. You Von- want you want to fucking if you want sleep if you haven't slept in days and you want sleep, watch Von Wagner wrestle. You'll sleep like a fucking rock. Von Wagner is literally all he is at this point is a meme. The only thing Von Wagner has ever done to this point is make the fucking clip of him saying, Come Tuesday. <laughs> That's the the best thing Von Wagner's ever done, is make a clip that has him say, Come Tuesday. <laughs> so, we got... So, of course, Von Wagner got the win. Fuck Von Wagner. We got Nikita Lyons calling out Lash Legend, which we already talked about, is leading to a lashing out with Lash Legend segment. Can't fucking wait to not fucking enjoy this. Can't wait to take a piss during that. Right. And then we got the main event. Carmelo Hayes defending the North American title against Pete Dunne. I thought this was great. Carmelo Hayes is so fucking good. And I know you don't like his promos. I Again, I think they're fine. I think they're okay. I just think Trick Williams is not, ne- is not needed. He's not necessary. Carmelo Hayes doesn't need a hype man. Pete Dunne is fucking great. Again, I don't know what the fuck Pete Dunne's gonna do right now. But this was just, it was so good. So good. The the thing about Carmelo is that he gives me massive Ricochet vibes. Not in the sense that he's like a high flyer. Well, he is a high flyer, but he's not a high flyer in the same sense of Ricochet. 
Yeah. But he gives me the same sense of ricochet. Is that he's incredible in the ring. He can have a simple one-on-one match with a jobber, and it would be great. It would be a, a good, watchable match. Hmm. But he just does not do it on the mic. See, For me, that is. See, I think that's I think that's the one thing he has on Ricochet that makes him just a little better than Ricochet. And I love Ricochet. I fucking love Ricochet. I am still mad that all this shit of us saying Ricochet going to SmackDown is going to help him. And yes, he's been on TV a lot. But it still feels like Ricochet is doing nothing. But he's got a fucking IC title match coming up Friday, which I can't wait to see because it's him and Sami Zayn. It's going to be great. But just, I I, I like Carmelo Hayes. I really do. I like his wrestle. I love him in the ring. I love hearing his promos. I think his promos are fine. I know you don't, they don't connect with you and that's it. I, again, my only issue is Trick Williams. I don't see the fact that he needs a hype guy at all. It's just, but this match was so fucking good. Just, Carmelo retains, and I'm just like, holy shit. I, I don't know who the fuck's taking this title off of Carmelo. I really don't. Because after the match, Carmelo garbed, got the mic. He promised us a North American title match at Stand and Deliver in the match that it was origi- that it originated in. The match that it was in, a ladder match. So is that telling us that we're going to get another six-man ladder match again at Stand and Deliver? Was it six the first time? It was, was it? Cole, Cole Sullivan, Ricochet, Dane, EC3. EC3, Dream. I think that was it. Yeah, I yeah think that it was, was it. Six, yeah. six. So yeah, are we going to get a six-man ladder match? So we get Mello, Dunn, Grimes, Grimes. Uh, Maybe D'Angelo. Tony D. And that leaves two open spots. I would say Loomis, but I would assume he's pro- it's probably going to be Dexter and Indy versus Duke and Persia. Yeah, probably. But I uh, think it's going to... Again, even if we don't know the other two... Maybe even like if Joe we, Gacy. Even maybe. if fucking Tony D'Angelo's not in it. That leaves three spots of somebody that we probably haven't seen yet on TV. Which is going to be worth it. Or at least not seen in this sort of capacity. Yeah, so it has the opportunity to surprise us all. So again, I thought this show was freaking really, really good. It just, it set up a lot of what's going to happen for next week at Roadblock. So, let's jump into Dynamite. We're now an hour and a half in, so... It's gonna. This might be a long one, but we're, we're an hour and a half in. We're about to get. We're more than likely about to get into another tangent. <laughs> we probably will. We'll see what happens. So, dynamite I from last we, night. We need a fucking tangent bell. <laughs> we, we do. Need, we just need a bell. Just ding. Yeah, we need a tangent bell. We're gonna probably. I'm gonna get one now just for that. So, dynamite from last night. So, the main talking point of the show, before it even started, was Tony's huge announcement. Again, now this is like, what, how many fucking announcements deep are we now in this? Like, it's been a lot. There's been a lot of them. So, the show kicked off with the huge announcement. Tony Schiavone was in the ring with Tony Khan. Tony and Tony. Tony squared, if you want to. (laughs) So, they're standing in the ring. 
Tony gets the mic. He says he's normally the one keeping people on time, so he's going to make sure we get to the wrestling on time. Huh. In time. Uh, <laughs> Tony. Tony's a fan of the show. Yes! <laughs> no! <laughs> he thanks everybody for be, for keeping the company going through the pandemic and says tonight is a big night and the biggest week in the history of Dynamite. He hypes up Revolution because Revolution's this Sunday, which we'll probably do. If you want to do predictions after this, we can. Like right on the, since we're on Dynamite, we might as well. I don't think there's going to be any matches made for like like on Rampage. I highly doubt it that there's yeah, going to be any do, matches made. We could do so, quick quick little predictions. Yeah. So he hyped up Revolution says when they started AEW 3 years ago, it was out in the parking lot right there cuz they were at Daily's place. Well, 17 years before that, another company started, Ring of Honor. Cuz there was so many fucking assumptions on what the fuck the big announcement was. So he says another company started at Ring of Honor, and he's been a huge fan of Ring of Honor also. So you can imagine how big of a deal it is to say that he signed the contract to purchase Ring of Honor. So Tony's big announcement is him buying Ring of Honor. This is the part we we went on, so we were we immediately started talking about this because it was so it's such a crazy thing to think of. With this whole ROH going, like, releasing all its talent and shutting down for them to refresh, and then we find out they got purchased. It, it, it's, it's interesting, but it's really weird because, yes, it's Tony buying Ring of Honor. That's a big thing. Like, that's pretty big. Like, he just bought Ring of Honor. That's... Yeah. But it, it's fucking weird because, again, we didn't, we didn't know what the fuck he's getting out of this situation until we saw his, his tweet where he had what he got out of it. He got the video library and all this other stuff. like All the assets. Yeah, the assets and all this other stuff and, like, production stuff and all that. And I'm like, yeah, but he bought Ring of Honor, but he technically didn't get the thing that would mostly be important if you bought a company. And that was the talent. Yeah, that was the roster. There's nobody in the roster. So, in all technicalities, yes, it's Ring of Honor's been around forever, but due to the fact that they're kind of refreshing, it's kind of like a new company all over again. Because they're going by different routes now. Like, there was all the talk that they're not going to sign talent. They're just going to bring people in on a show-to-show basis, and that was it. Which, if there's no talent, Tony didn't really get anything out of it, like, other than the freaking video library. Yeah, which really, the only... Which, again, only... Is, which is a good thing, if you think about it, though, because now, yes, Ring of Honor has the chance to, like, AEW can use that, because if they got the... The history of that, that means they got to Honor Club. Which means we might see AW on Honor Club. Which wouldn't be the worst thing because I'd rather fucking pay $9.99 for Honor Club than pay $60 for a fucking pay-per-view. Yeah. Like $9.99 a month for possibly all the fucking pay-per-views. Like, 
if Ring of Honor, like, here's the thing. I hope Ring of Honor is still going to happen. Because now, because again, this throws a wrench in Supercar of Honor on April 1st. We're less than a month away from that. Like, how are we going to do this? Yeah, it, it leaves a lot of, it leaves a lot of questions than it does answers. Yeah, the gist of how I seen it when I, when we, when we talked about it and said that he didn't get any talent with it. It's pretty much like scooping up a, a brand new company that hasn't signed its talent yet. Yeah, it's it's like it's like putting a fucking freshly sealed box in front of you and being like, "There's a lot of stuff in there. Don't you worry. There's a lot of wonders in there. I'm not gonna show you what's in there, but t- until you do, you gotta pay for it. Well, here's two and a half million dollars. All right." Go ahead and look what's in the box. It's empty. Yeah. But there's assets in there. <laughs> and there's a video library in there as well. Like, like, we heard all the talk that the video library was up for sale. Like, before that. And we figured that, again, it's, it's going to be tough because a lot of WWE's people are Ring of Honor people as well. Yeah. But so, so now is so is AEW's AEW. yeah, so AEW in all technicalities has the better luck of using past footage to build stories and unless WWE can somehow convince AEW to go hey we're trying to build a feud here can we borrow some Ring of Honor footage like I mean I don't think it would be that big of a deal to contact AEW for some ROH footage. Yeah. But it, it made the most sense for AEW to buy it because ROH owned the rights to AEW's first ever show. Yes. All in. Yeah. So the one thing is, again, it does this throw a wrench in, in Supercard of Honor is my question. I don't think also. it does. <coughs> I, think, like, I think Supercard of Honor goes on as normal, but... It's so weird because Supercard of Honor was probably going to be like old Ring of Honor. Now it's going to be like AEW. Which is interesting because here's the thing I thought of is does ROH suffer here? Because the fact that now does Tony Khan really in all technicalities want to take on another show? He's already got Dynamite. He's already got Rampage. He's already got Dark. He's already got Dark Elevation. That's four shows. Now Ring of Honor. Like, I heard, I've seen a lot of people that were like, yes, because of the fact that AEW's roster is so bloated, this is a good spot to send them. And again, if they're still going to do the mentality of they're not signing people, so AEW can send their people over there, like, would they have to sign, would they have to sign the old people, like, like, executives and stuff like that, like, backstage personnel and all that shit, to Ring of Honor, so it would still feel like, oh, well, we don't have to bring in people, like, we could still stick with the mentality of we don't have to sign people, we just bring them in on a show-to-show basis, like, would that work, is the question, like, it's it's so interesting. Like, again, this is a really... It's an interesting thing. Like, yeah. But it's like, does again, does Tony want to take on a fifth show? That's a lot. Yeah. Like, if... Like, the best thing they could do... 
like, yeah, it would literally be a cop-out of copying WWE. But at this point, with the roster being as bloated as it is, as everyone says, ROH pretty much turns into another brand. Which means they're going to do, like, their own brand split in the end. But my thing is this. I think if you do this, if ROH becomes a show, if ROH gets on TV... Like, actually gets on TV, not fucking Sinclair, where you can't fucking find it, and all this other shit, actually shows up on our TV, whether it's TBS, TNT, anything. Does it fucking just... I think at this point, you drop Rampage. You drop Rampage, you drop Dark, and you drop fucking Dark Elevation. Yeah. Because from what you've told me, that... Again, I take this with a fucking absolute grain of salt here. Yep, because it's fucking... ROH apparently is going to be their developmental, as you said. In a nutshell. It's going to be used to train people. So in other words, ROH is AEW's NXT. In a nutshell. If this is going to be the show, that needs to be it. You don't need dark and dark elevation. You take them away. Because that's literally what... Dark and Dark Elevation is literally just improving the fucking people that are already on TV. That's enhancing their stats. Yeah. With, with the fucking rankings that you actually supposedly give a shit about. Which you don't. Because you don't fucking pay attention to them anyway. So the shows are fucking pointless. And Rampage to me is literally that. Is literally those two shows because it has jobber matches like that. So it's literally dark and dark elevation, but an extra hour of dynamite as well. In all technicalities, if you want to, you can remove that show. You put ROH on TNT where freaking Rampage is, have it follow freaking have it follow SmackDown if you want. Just put it on a different night. I don't care. Like well, don't even do that, honestly. Put it on fucking Friday. Right after SmackDown. And make, if you want, make it a two-hour show. Make it a one-hour show. Something. Just put it on there. Just don't fucking overload yourself. Because the one thing we, again, we talked about was if Tony fucking is mainly focused on ROH, that takes a lot of the focus off of AEW. Mm -hmm. As it is. And then vice versa. Yeah. Like, Tony's going to have to put all his attention into one or the other. He can't, I don't know, I don't think he can handle doing both like that. Like, he needs to keep, like, I think it's time to cut Dark, Dark Elevation and Rampage. I know Rampage has just already started, and it's like, well, why would you get rid of it? Well, with ROH being not only the bigger show, but if it's going to be developmental, it'll, like I said, it'll be like their NXT It'll be interesting to watch these guys develop themselves more than it would be to watch the already developed guys get rankings boosters against jobbers and trying to use Rampage as a fucking days later third hour. Like, have your own secondary show. Have your own secondary brand. You're already going to have the champions at that point. Mm -hmm. Because... The gist of what we talked about is... Because when we looked at the card for Super Card of Honor... A lot of it is for the championships. 
But now that Tony's got that, a lot of the people that are going to be in those matches are going to be the AEW freaking people. So that means the ROH titles are going to be there. So, like I said, I think it'd be better to cut three the three shows that don't really have a purpose. Yeah. Like, ROH is going to be your other focus, more than anything. So Dark, Dark Elevation, and Rampage can go. Like, save it. Because you're going to have all your titles there. Literally, ROH is going to be your NXT. Your place to develop the fucking people that need it. It's also the place that you're going to have titles. It's going to literally be like NXT. Make it that way then. Mm-hmm. Cut the fucking fat and cut off the fucking the, the three shows that are fucking pointless. Put ROH in that 10 o'clock spot after SmackDown. It would fucking work. You can make it an hour. You can make it two hours. Yes. Does anybody... It's, it's Friday night. You think anybody's really going to complain that they have to stay up till midnight to watch wrestling? Like, yeah. come on. I think this is way. This is what you do with it. Like, that's just where I'm going with this. It's just the first thing I thought of. Like, I don't know why, but to me it makes sense. Like... Doesn't it? Like, am I, or am I just talking out of my ass here? Like, no, it, it, it makes sense because if, if you have dynamite and now you have ROH and then you have dark, dark elevation and rampage, the whole point of dark and dark elevation is it's pointless. It's a stat booster for freaking already developed people, which doesn't make sense at that point. So cut them. They're literally the same show. Mm-hmm. In two different nights. So cut them right there. Like, other than that, like, the, only the diehards watch Dark and Dark Elevation. Yeah. But I haven't I watched a single episode of Dark and I've Dark watched Elevation. Dark and, I've watched Dark originally only a few times. I've never watched Dark Elevation because I don't have the tendency to. And I don't get, and then and I stopped watching Dark. I only watched it like twice. And that was way early on. But I have no interest to watch Dark because I don't care about watching fucking people that are already on television getting wins. Yeah. Like, again, if you're... And Rampage, to me, it's it's literally Dark and Dark Elevation because it has a lot of jobber matches. It has a lot of jobber matches when it wants to. So it's literally like Dark and Dark Elevation. But they try to make it feel like it's a third hour of Dynamite because they put other stuff on it that's, like, bigger... Yeah. So yeah, it is a third hour of Dynamite, but it's technically both. It's Dark and Dark Elevation combined, and it's also fucking a third hour of Rampage. Or it's also a third hour of Dynamite. So in other words, you can cut that show. Put ROH in that position, it's now on television again. So then by the time fucking, when Supercard of Honor ends next year, or next month I should say, by the time next month comes around and you've decided who your champions are, you have your champion set for ROH. When fucking the show comes on television. Yeah. That can be your 10 o'clock slot on Friday. Right after SmackDown, you flip over and you watch ROH. Mm -hmm. Whether it's an hour or two. Whichever one you want. I don't think fucking TNT is going to fucking complain about having a two-hour show for ROH. Even if it's an hour. If it's an hour, that's fine too. It's literally your developmental now. You said that, like, all the talk that you said about it, with the whole, that it's going to be their developmental spot. Well, make it that then. 
Mm-hmm. But let's fucking see it. Let's watch the progression for them guys. We get to do it with NXT. We do the same thing with them for Ring of Honor. Plain and simple. So, but he goes back and he goes, he talks about the era of honor, which, talk about Christopher Daniels. They talk about, like, the code of honor where you have to shake hands. You shake hands in the ring at the beginning of a match. You shake hands at the end of the match. And he talked about Brian Danielson as well. And the first match we get is Christopher Daniels returning to the ring after I don't even know how fucking long. It's been so long against Brian Danielson. We got Danielson versus Daniels, pretty much, if you wanted to say. But this was great. It was really good. I don't know what it is about Christopher Daniels. The man ages, but he doesn't get worse. Yeah. Like, right. It, it's it sort of reminds me of like Edge Light. Yeah. Because Edge isn't as old as Daniels, but Daniels Daniels isn't as good as Edge. Like, not saying that Daniels isn't good. Yeah. But he's nowhere near the quality of Edge. Yeah. But it, it reminds me of Edge. Don't get me wrong. Daniels is a legend in wrestling. Yeah. If he wants to be. The man is, if you want to say, if you want to go there, because he is. I will give that man his fucking flowers every time. The man is fucking wrestled forever. Like, in a, in so many different places. And he's 50-something. He's yeah. And he wrestles like he's, like, 20. So, but I thought this match was really good. The whole BME into the triangle choke where Danielson chokes him out. Daniels goes to sleep. It's just, it was so good. The The transition from the BME into the triangle choke was so good. I thought this match was really good. Danielson gets, gets the mic after the match. He talks about being in the main event of the first Ring of Honor show. And in that time, they started and ended matches with a handshake, which we talked about, Code of Honor. He reaches down, grabs Daniel's hand, asks the crowd to give him a hand, which they do. He then says, he's not in Ring of Honor, he's in AEW, and then proceeds to stomp the living shit out of Christopher Daniels. John Moxley comes out after that, because Danielson was calling him out. He says that he's been at a crossroads. He says he's at a crossroads and what path he takes and says he's going to take a path through fire and bullets and through Danielson. Because at the end of that path, he beats the American Dragon. He offers himself up for a free shot. He's, He's sitting there telling that he wants him to hit him the entire time. He even took his jacket off. Brian went to go hit him, and then he just left and walked away. So, again, it's it's Danielson versus Moxley. Yes, we saw Daniel Bryan versus Dean Ambrose in WWE. We've seen it before. But it's this is the more aggressive John Moxley and the American Dragon, Brian Danielson. This is the non-fucking, this is the more aggressive versions of both. Like, this match might, has a possibility to be match of the night from Revolution. Like, absolutely. I can't wait to see this. Like, I'm looking forward to this match. I think the two of them... It's gonna be great. Yeah, I think the two of them 
will fucking tear the house down if they want. Mm -hmm. And I know that that card has some matches on there that have the possibility to fucking be match of the year already. Yeah. Like, so, Sting's hanging out with Darby. Says he's not worried about Darby being in the triple threat. Because there's a triple threat on, I believe it was Rampage. Yeah. So, where it's Andrade, Sammy, and Darby... For so, the TNT yep. so, he says, despite the no interference stipulation, Darby says he doesn't need anybody anybody's help, and he and Sammy Guevara are going to steal the show like they always do. So, again, we saw their match last time. It was really good, the two of them, minus the Andrade fucking interference. Their other matches together were really fucking good. So, we go to a commercial. We come back, and we get... The Casino Battle Royale. Now, before we go into this... Yes. I thought the Casino... Anything. The Casino Battle Royales, no matter if it was tag team, mm-hmm. or singles, or women's, men's, doesn't matter. Was the suit thing, right? I thought it was the suits. Yes. It's also too. So why did they do like a fucking... Tag Team Royal Rumble. Rumble. Yeah. This isn't Casino. This is literally, in a nutshell, the same match as last week. But with a countdown. Yeah, but with entrance instead of it being every person in the ring at once. It's pretty much what it was. It's not not a casino. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. False advertisement. If I ever saw it, it was false advertised. So, the first two were... It was FTR. Yep, FTR started in the ring. You're right. And then we hear top flight music. So I'm like, who's Dante teaming with? I was like, oh, is it, is it, uh, is it Dante and Matt Seidel? Yeah, I thought it was Dante. It could have been Dante and Matt Seidel. It could have been Dante and Lee Moriarty. Whichever one it was going to be. But out pops his brother Darius. Who's back. Holla fucking Luya. Top Flight is back. Finally. Listen, I had no issue with Dante Martin as a single star. But my god. Did I miss him and his brother as a tag team. He looked... As much as he was great in the singles role. He looked lost. Without his brother. He's been He lost. had no idea what to do. He had no idea what he was doing. He's... He was just floating around making friends, basically, <laughs> because he didn't have his brother his literal... for an entire year. Other than the occasional random one-on-one matches, the only thing Dante did by himself was the Team Taz stuff. Yeah. And that was it. Like, I felt bad, because I'm like... Man, he needs his brother to come back. He needs his brother to come back. Like, it's not... Again, Dante's fucking great. I think he's really good. Like, he was doing really well for a solo run. Like, it just wasn't anything to fucking, like, set off fucking fireworks and celebration. Like, it's not that... It wasn't that big of a run. It was just... It was a good one because he looked really good all the time. But now that he's back with his brother, thank God... Like and this is this is my first time seeing them together. Darius. I I didn't see Top Flight as a tag team. 
Yeah. I only saw Dante. Yeah. The first time I saw Dante Martin was his match against Kenny. Was yep. against Kenny Omega. I was like, and then you told me that he isn't. He's part of a tag team with mm-hmm. his brother. I was like, okay, so where the fuck is Darius? He's you're like, oh, he's been injured. And yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. And then we just keep wondering and wondering when the fuck is Darius gonna come back? Like, there's. I get that they said it was an ACL injury, mm-hmm. and I know ACL injuries because I'm a basketball fan, and ACL ACL injuries are fucking like season ending. Yes. They, you're out for a year, year yeah. plus. I know how long fucking ACL so Darius takes was out. to heal. So Darius was out for a long but it felt, time. It felt like so fucking long. He was out for a long time. Like a really long time. But the, again, even you got a pop out of it just seeing them together. Because this was your first chance yeah, of getting to I see was, them together. I was so intrigued because you're like, yeah, he's part of a tag team with his brother Darius. And they're really good. I was like, oh... I want to see him. And you're like, oh, well, too bad. He's par- he, Darius is injured. I'm like, oh, well, I, I guess I'll go fuck myself. <laughs> yeah, but from what you saw of them, what's your take on Top they're, Flight? They're fucking great. I love Top Flight. And I wanted them to win this match so bad. So bad. Like, from there, I didn't care who else was in this match. I wanted Top Flight to win this. Just because. So, Top Flight started with FTR... I like the interaction between the two of them. Good way to start it off. Number three was the acclaimed fucking Max Caster is fucking great with the raps. I love the rap. Sometimes the raps are sort of meh. Like his last one, the one that I saw, I believe it was, I think it was during Rampage. It might have been during Rampage. I don't remember which one it was, but it was like a very lackluster fucking rap. But this one ended fucking hysterically with... <laughs> I didn't realize this, but he brought up the facts because Dax most Dax Harwood, a.k.a. Scott Dawson, mm-hmm. from The Revival slash FTR, did an interview where he said that he wanted out of WWE so bad that he WWE told him to give up any of the uh, revival fucking trademarks mm-hmm. that he was doing. Yeah. And give up the assets. I didn't realize that Max Caster made a reference to that <laughs> in the rap. Oh, he did? I missed he that. He said something about, uh, he said something about giving up assets. Oh, wow. That's great. I and then at that the one. end, he said that, I don't remember who it was directed to, but he said they're, they're as unpopular as Glenn Jacobs tweets. Yes, and again, it's fucking... This is, again, I'm not getting into that because it's politic-related, and I'm not getting into that stuff. But I get where he was going with that, and I fucking gotta laugh at it. Because there's stuff Max Caster says that's fucking hysterical. And yes, there's stuff that he says that's kind of crossing the line. We get it. Yeah. But, again, that's the thing rap's supposed to be. It's supposed to be like, whoa, wait a second, why are you saying that again? Like, Yeah. Like, some of the things he's said before, that some of the things that are, they have been insensitive. Like, the whole thing that he was, Max Caster was sent to sensitivity training. Oh, yeah, the the, the last one was, again, I think it was on Rampage, and and he mentioned Putin. 
in his rap. And everyone was like, well, he's going back to sensitivity training now, isn't he? And I'm like, fuck, man. I'm like, shit, well, that fucking... Yeah, but the, the one time... I'm like, well, that's to... a little... I'm like, that one's a little too much to be talking about right now with that situation. Yeah. But this one with talking about Glenn Jacobs at the end, I thought was fucking hysterical. The whole giving up assets thing, as you said, that's fucking hysterical. I love Max Caster. I enjoy the acclaimed. I like the acclaimed. Again, I liked Max Caster when he was with Shook Crew. Like, come on. I want them too from Shook Crew to come to AEW. I want them to be with Max Caster and Anthony Bowens. I want the Acclaim to be one big group like that. The four of them would be great. So, number four was Dark Order, which was Alan Angels and Ten, Preston. Six, or number five was Butcher and... The Pepper. The Pepper. <laughs> Butcher and Blade was number five. Butcher and the Pepper. <laughs> Varsity Blondes was six. We'd, I'd like to point out that we're using the same website again, and it says Pepper Parks again! <laughs> Cage side seats. <laughs> so, Varsity Blondes was six. We should just make our own fucking notes at this point. <laughs> we went to fucking picture in picture. Uh, Bear Country came out at seven during the during the picture in picture. We came back. Proud and Powerful was number eight. Bear Country got eliminated. We then had Caster getting dumped. We then had Best Friends at seven. It was the original Best Friends, Chucky e. T and Trent. FTR and Proud and Powerful were there. We're still going at it. Bowens got rid of Griff Garrison, because this was after, at some point, literally, they had... It wasn't long after Varsity Blondes came out that yeah. Brian Pillman... Brian Jr. Pillman was, Jr. was first, and then Griff lasted li- just a little bit longer, and then Griff got thrown out, so... Yeah. Varsity Blondes were gone, Countdown kicked in, uh, Grayson and Uno was next at number 9, so they had, again, two teams, another high odds chance for the Dark Order to win... Neither one of them got this win either. Butcher and Blade were then eliminated. Just separately, not at the same time, pretty much. Yeah, so. wait. Yeah. The Pepper was eliminated and then uh, Butcher <laughs> was. So we had the big rig on Bowens. Timer kicked in. Bucks came in at 10. Fucking Bucks. So they took their sweet old time coming out, teasing more, fucking interacting with FTR. I'm like... You fucking speed it up, Bucks. We get it. You're trying to fucking be like, oh, you guys really want to see this one again, don't you? Yeah, we do. But you're wasting fucking time. Get a move on, guys. So, Bucks finally got in there. We went to a fucking other picture in picture. We came back from the commercial. The wingmen were in the match. It was... Ryan Nemeth and Peter Avalon. I don't know why the fuck it wasn't J.D. Drake. What the fuck? I don't know why the fuck they were in this match. <laughs> because. They're the only other tag team we really have. You could have put Seidel and Moriarty in this match. You could have put Kings of the Black Throne in this. You could have put Pack and fucking Penta in this. They had a lot no, of different no. options, but Let's you know. put in Ryan Nemeth yeah. and fucking 
Peter Avalon. Yeah, pretty only, Peter. The only reason why they put them in there is because they're not doing anything. And you know why? Because Penta and Pack are dealing with Kings of the Black Throne. So they weren't going to be in this match. Obviously. You could have put Serpentico and Luther. <laughs> so the wingmen got in the match. Fucking ass boys were 12. Colton and Austin. I love how people just refer to, refer to them as the ass boys now. It's not the gun club. They're just the ass boys, which is fucking hysterical. Right? Young Bucks, FTR, just in fucking no time, eliminated the ass boys. They were fucking a waste. They were literally in the ring for about two and a half seconds and got thrown out. It felt like nothing. So, next was Brock Anderson and Lee Johnson at 13. Another randomly thrown together team. Well, they, they weren't thrown together because they have been shown together. Yeah, but they've but, been randomly thrown together because it's just random. They have, they literally... Well, they're, they're both Nightmare Factory fucking trainees. They literally had Brock Anderson fucking teaming with Cody. The forbidden word now in AEW all of a sudden. Oh. And Lee Johnson, another one who was teaming with Cody. The forbidden word. Oh, don't say that. Say one just more time like, and he appears. <laughs> He's only smoking mirrors. We just gonna fucking just can't walk by a mirror because he'll fucking pop out of it like fucking the Biggie yeah. Smalls thing in fucking South Park. If you say it one more time, fucking Cody appears and Art Anderson's gonna have to pull out the clock. <laughs> clock Anderson. <laughs> so that's what Brock Anderson's name should be. It should be fucking Glock. <laughs> Brock the Glock Anderson. Great. Yeah, Brock the Glock. Exactly. There fucking you go. great. Well, kill me. We just fucking came up with that one. So, Dark Order got eliminated. Ten and Alan Angels got eliminated by Anthony Bowens. So, teams were going like crazy. The wingmen were gone. Brock Anderson and Lee Johnson were gone. They finally got rid of Anthony Bowens. It, it, it eventually, in the end, it came down to... It came down to Darius. Yeah. It came down to Dax. Yep. And it came down to both the Bucks. Yes. So... It ended up being Dax getting eliminated because he got distracted because Red Dragon had come out at some point and he got distracted by them being out there so he had to look over at them. The Bucks ended up eliminating Dax and then it was down to Darius and the Bucks. Darius ended up eliminating Nick. Yes, and it was down to Matt and... Darius, and here I am screaming my fucking brains out like, go, let's get top flight in this match. Nope, of course we don't. Because <laughs> fuck the Young Bucks. They had to be in this match because how dare the Bucks not be in a tag title match, you fucking pieces of shit. Oh, but he fixed his story. I don't care. Listen, I get it, all right? Bucks and Red Dragon have tension between each other because of Adam Cole, and we get it. Oh, they gotta tease more tension between... I don't give a shit. You could tease more tension into them by not being in the match. The fact that they're all just like, Hey, how dare you get in this match, and we're not in this match, which would be another stupid fucking reason. Just the Bucks just bitching and complaining because, hey... How come we weren't in this match? Well, maybe because you didn't fucking win. That would have made more sense. Just, it was just so fucking disappointing. All that. 
for the fucking Bucks. Because you gotta tease more fucking dissension between the Bucks and Red Dragon and who Adam Cole's aligned with. Like, it just, it was a disappointing end to what I wanted, to a really, like, okay. It was okay, as far as I'm concerned. It's not something I'm gonna go back and watch. Yeah. Because it was a fucking clusterfuck and false advertised because they had to fucking say it's a casino battle royale. Yeah, well, it's a Royal Rumble with tag teams. Try again next time. (laughs) So, after the match, Bucks and Red Dragon shook hands. Jurassic Express came out, just kind of eyed their challengers down. They, They told us that Punk was next, and we went to a commercial. So we come back from the commercial... Jericho's getting interviewed. He talked about his conversation with Eddie Kingston last week. Says he can't relate to him because he's been a big star for so long. But on Sunday, he finally gets a chance to win the big one. He's talking about Eddie Kingston finally getting to win the big one. If he can beat Chris Jericho, I honestly hope he does. Because I don't really see the point. Like, Eddie Kingston needs this win. Yeah. After all the losses he's had... This win needs to happen. And it does absolutely nothing for Jericho. Yeah, I don't get... Jericho winning is just a fucking insult at this point. So, he talks about in AEW, he's the big one. If Eddie can beat him, he'll look him in the eye, shake his hand, and and offer his undying respect. So, okay. He says, but if he can't win, and he won't, which he's talking about Eddie Kingston, he'll look his pathetic ass in the eye and tell him GFY because Jericho's got go fuck yourselves abbreviated as just fucking stuck in his head right now. He's trying to get that and the fucking <clears throat> influencer over. It's just, it's just lame. It's a lame fucking saying. Just GFY all the time. Well, Jericho, if I wanted to hear you talk in text message, I would fucking want to. But I don't. And then... Santana and Ortiz came up, they gave Jericho a fist bump, and then walked away, and I'm like, so what was the point of teasing the fact that, like, unless it's a fucking ruse as well, unless it's a ruse to where they're just like, hey, it's all good, we're gonna help, probably help Eddie Kingston win, like, if it's that, I'm fine with it, but if it was literally just them completely just going, you know, Jericho was right, and they end up back with Chris Jericho, all that was a waste. Yeah. Then all that shit we just watched beforehand is a waste, which sucks. So, we then get Punk. Punk makes his entrance, grabs a mic. He says he used to splash water on his face every morning and ask himself if he's the bad guy. I'm like, Technically, if you think about it, MJF made you look like the bad guy last week. As much as it was a fucking, you know, if you think about it, from what MJF said last week, he made Punk look like the bad guy. Yeah. In every fucking possible way. He never really had an answer, and he believes nobody thinks they're the bad guy in their own story. And up until a week ago, he was certain that MJF was the bad guy. And what... Max did last week takes courage. Courage that even he didn't think he had. He spoke about a lot of deep and important things. You can't shake the feeling that he's being gaslit. 
He wants to make it very clear. He doesn't think MJF's lying. And he thinks those things happened. But his questions lie in how sincere MJF was. Thing he doesn't really know if it matters, pretty much. There's a famous picture of him with Stone Cold on the internet. And after much lesser men framed Austin as someone who took his ball and went home. He didn't lash out and do terrible things. In the time since he's been in AEW, he's seen MJF knock Dean Malenko, suffering from Parkinson's, seen him bury the late, great Brian Pillman in his own hometown, which that was a fucking, uh, to me, was honestly pretty uncomfortable, in my yeah. opinion. The, the Brian Pillman stuff, as much as everyone's like, it's just MJF being MJF, yeah, but I'm sorry. That was a little too much, in my opinion. That was fucked up. That we went that route with that. So, he had to sit back and listen to Max say awful things about Darby's uncle. Which, again, MJF... Listen, I get he's a fucking great heel, but there's times that the stuff he says to me, as much as it's, like, edgy, and you just want to go, ooh, like, we're going there... Sometimes you sit and look at it and go, that's a little uncomfortable. We're going that route. Like, I don't like that. That's a little iffy. Like, so, he's, it says, he, is he really to blame for all the horrible things? Like, he's, is he's, he's asking the question, Punk's asking, is he the reason why that MJF does these things? He says, he goes, is he Dr. Frankenstein and MJF's the monster? He doesn't think so, but nothing he can say will have as much impact as something he can do. And he needs to do that to MJF's face. He wants to have a conversation with him right now. So MJF makes his entrance, gets in the ring. Punk admits he's done horrible things. and says he used to be just like MJF, full of hate. He poured alcohol down an alcoholic's throat. I cannot remember what that one was. Yeah, neither can I. At all. We assumed it was probably an early ROH thing. Yeah, or something. I could not remember what it was at all. Covered a legendary wrestler in his beloved manager's ashes, The Undertaker. Mocked a wrestler's addiction until he lost his job because of it. I asked you which that one, what that one was. That was Jeff Hardy. That was Jeff Hardy's. That yep. was in their world mm-hmm. title feud. And all that hate is going to burn him up. So somewhere out there now, there's a kid that's looking up to MJF the same way he looked up to Punk. And he might be wrong, but he got up this morning and splashed water on his face and asked if he was the good guy. And finally had an answer. He sure is trying. He offers MJF a handshake. MJF just puts the hand down and gives him a hug. And I'm like, again, I said it last week. I'm like, he's doing a good job. It's working. It's working. MJF hugged him. Punk hugged him back. Standing there just kind of just enjoying the moment. And as soon as MJF gets off the hug, Punk just stands there, stares at him. And MJF just hauls off and kicks him square in the dick. (laughs) I fucking said that it was a ruse. And I fucking knew it was a ruse. 
MJF is a fucking evil human being, but it was such a fucking great way to work it as just, you fell for me fucking being all nice, and it lowered your guard to the point that you fucking ended up getting square kicked in the dick by me. Like, it's it was such a fucking, I knew it was a ruse. I knew it was a ruse, but I thought it was fucking excellent. It was so good. It was so... It was played out so well. Fucking worth it. I know a lot of people... I've seen people go like, if MJF really wasn't sincere about last week, then this is fucking stupid, and it's WWE booking and the finest. And I'm like, I, I don't even think so, because I think it's literally... I thought it was literally perfect. Again, it was lowering Punk's guard the entire time. It's Punk losing all focus to go, oh my god, is MJF being legit? Am I being I think, the bad guy Yeah, here? like, am I actually the bad guy in this situation? Like, was was he right about me walking out and leaving everybody? Was, like, like am I really the asshole here? And if it, it was enough for Punk to question it. To lower his guard and go, man, he might actually be right. And MJF just playing along as just an emotional wreck. Just, again, lowering Punk's guard. To the point where he could just sucker punch him. And kick him square in the nuts. Was just fucking great. Fucking great. MJF hit him with the heat seeker. The slingshot pile driver that he does. He took his shirt off. He took his button-up shirt off. He had the shirt of the picture on there of him and Punk. He, he he took the ring from Sean Spears. He blasted Punk in the head with the ring. Just kept pounding on him in the head. Punk was a fucking absolute mess. They drug Punk out. Put the dog collar on around his neck. And just tried to hang him with the freaking... With the dog collar... It was just, it was so fucking great. Just all this. And MJF just pretty much just, is just ripping into punk. I thought this whole thing was great. Because Max got the mic and he calls punk a stupid old man. And called himself a snake. He called himself a snake. And on Sunday he's going to show all these mindless sheep that he's the devil himself. It was just a short fucking promo from MJF, but it was so good. Just, you see Punk's bloody fucking face. MJF literally wiping the blood off and covering the shirt that he was wearing. MJF, Punk's shirt was a fucking mess. Like, it was just, it was pouring down Punk. Like, I thought this whole segment was so fucking good. And this, then, this match is going to be nuts, and I love it because it feels just as personal as the Piper Valentine feud did. And then the the segment earlier or later on in the show with Wardlow <laughs> after his match, just mm-hmm. fucking MJF walking up still with the shirt with the fucking blood drenched and oh fucking dried under the shirt. Right? I was like, how <laughs> you're you're that sick in the head? You haven't taken off the shirt, right? like. MJF would be terrible if he was a murderer. MJF looked like the guy who literally, like, would do it 
put the blood all over his shirt and just stand in the mirror and just smile. <laughs> like, that was sick. Like, it looked sick. Like, I was like, damn, he really is a fucking evil human being. Like, holy shit. So, Darby, Sting, and Sammy Guevara made the save as they were trying to, still trying to choke out Punk. We went to a commercial. We came back from the commercial. Tony Schiavone interviewed Keith Lee. Before he could even answer, Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs came up. Lee tells him if he interrupts again, there won't be anything left to interrupt. Starks warns him that Rampage is his turf, and he might not make it to Revolution if he shows up on Friday, So, because Keith Lee is having a match on Rampage. There's not been a confirmed opponent, but... Keith Lee's having a match because it helps him get ready for Revolution. Next was the women's tag match. Dr. Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter versus Mercedes Martinez and Thunder Rosa. Okay, so... So, before you go into this, <sighs> I, I need to say a quick little thing. Okay. And this goes into terms with another match which happens later. Okay. What is it with what is it within AEW that makes you think that putting Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker in the same match <clears throat> without keeping them apart makes us more interested in the match at Revolution. We've seen these two wrestle before. Sure. Why would you not keep them apart? The thing that's fucking still then. gets me about it is it's still one of those freaking things where they did everything they could when, in all technicalities, the lights out match should have been the end. But they interjected Britt Baker in anything Thunder Rosa did. We've already said this. They interjected Britt Baker in everything Thunder Rosa did to make it feel like the feud was still going. Yeah. After so long. And it's a piss poor job. The, the feud was over during the lights out, after the lights out match. That's it. That's your ending feud, no matter what. That's your ending. That's your ending match. But you just threw them back together and went, "Well, these two have been feuding for a long time now." Well, no. Technically, you started the feud, you ended the feud, and then you started it up again. It's not they've been feuding for the whole time. You just interjected it to make Brit into anything Thunder Rosa did by going, "Hey, Brit's the reason why Mercedes Martinez is here." Brit was the reason why Thunder Rosa had this interaction with somebody. Like, it was any way possible to make that feud feel like it was still going. But the point I'm making is, is like, no matter how the build is, you would think they would try to make these two not interact yeah. before the match that is literally f four days or three days before they have enough four days from the day we're recording this, since it's Thursday, it's, it's three, three days. days. Yeah, but for Wednesday it would be four days mm -hmm. before they have another match together. Yeah, it's just why would you have them wrestle each other in a tag match four days before they wrestle each other again? Yes, on pay per view. Yes, that's the that thing is I... literally WWE level stuff. Yes, 
in a nutshell, yes, have them wrestle before the show and then have them wrestle at the pay-per-view. That's literally what AEW did. And that's fucking stupid. And they this tried to this they tried to make only... it seem like they kept them apart because it was a tag match, but it doesn't really work because they interacted a lot during that match. The ending match. of the match was literally Thunder Rosa pinning Britt. Was it? Yes. I thought she pinned Jamie Hayes. No, she pinned Britt Baker. Oh, well... So, my wild thing is, does this just mean that Britt is going to retain? Which is fucking stupid. I hope not. Because from what we're talking, from what we've talked about with the whole ROH stuff, I honestly think Britt's going to be the one. Because Deanna Perrazzo is your current ROH Women's Champion right now. Right? I, I, if this actually happens, I honestly think Britt loses the title. I think somehow, some way. Britt loses the title. She should. Yes. I hope they're she's not... she's done absolutely nothing with the title. I, I hope to God they're not planning on taking a champ champ in Deanna Perrazzo and then making Britt Baker champ champ. Because then we're going to have problems. The AEW title run has already been fucking god-awful because Britt Baker is fucking completely inconsistent. When it comes to anything good. You give her another title. It's going to be fucking damaging to the ROH Women's Championship. Because you don't need a shit run with one title. And then give her another one and it's just as much shit. Like, fuck that. Yeah. But I, again, I don't like I don't like either thought of it. If Britt retains, she gets to fucking probably... Because I highly believe now... That she's going to be the one to challenge Deanna at Supercard of Honor. So either one thing, so it's either one or the other. Either Britt's going to be champ champ, or fucking, she's just going to be ROH Women's Champion. Which, fucking, I'm not a fan of either one. At all. But I don't like Deanna Perrazzo either. Because I don't, I'm tired of her being champ champ. I hate it. I don't like Deanna Perrazzo. I think, honestly, to me, she's overrated. Everybody calls her one of the best women's wrestlers today, and I think she's overrated. I honestly do. She's got a... To me, she gives me Tessa Blanchard fucking things. I feel like she's got a bad attitude, and the only reason why she's champ champ is because of her fucking bad attitude. I think because of the fact that that, and they don't want to deal with that shit, they just gave her two titles and were just like, okay, that'll shut her up for a little bit. Like... (laughs) Deanna Perrazzo, to me, has always come off as that woman. Like, when she first debuted in Impact, the only reason why she won the Knockouts title on her return, in quote-unquote, as far as I'm concerned, I don't know if it's return, I don't know if it's just debut, whichever one it was. The only reason why she beat Jordan Grace was because Impact was on this kick of, well, we gotta stick it to WWE because they didn't do shit with Deanna, but we're gonna show them that we can do shit with Deanna. We're gonna give her the title immediately. Like, she hasn't done fucking jack squat with the Reina Duranas championship since winning it. Her beating Fabi Apache was the dumbest decision you could have done. She doesn't do anything with it. Like, the only time she does now is because she's doing her champ champ challenge where she literally goes... Pick a title. And most of the time, so far, like, the recent match she had was with Lady Frost. And that was for the Reina Duranas title. Other than that, everybody else so far has picked the ROH women's title. 
So she needs to lose the fucking Reina Duranas title. First off. But I don't like, like, if she's going to lose the fucking the women's title, the ROH title to Britt Baker, this is going to suck. Yeah. Like, I don't, I, I'm not liking this. Like, I can't wait. Like, I'm not going to want to watch Britt be a double champion. I'm not going to watch Britt be a singles champion. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm already fucking tired of seeing her with the belt, with yeah. the AEW belt. Yeah, her her AEW women's title run has been shit. Her AEW women's title run sucks, as far as I'm concerned. Like, at this point, I, I have zero fucking, like, crazy investment in Thunder Rosa being, in, in Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker. This match has to be fucking really good for me to fucking care. Right now. Like, the only thing I feel like, and the only bad thing is, I feel like, in the end, I it's going to be the same thing as we've talked about with Charlotte and Ronda. In the end, I think if Thunder Rosa wins, it's going to be the only good thing out of this match. Yeah. Because even right now, their first feud, part of their feud, that led to the fucking Lights Out match, was, was fine. And the Lights Out match was great. But everything since then, honestly, hasn't really been that good. Like, it's kind of depleted Thunder Rosa a little bit. Like, it's downgraded Thunder Rosa. They waited way too long for Thunder. Thunder. Yeah. Thunder. Yeah. Thunder Rosa. Yes. Thunder. I, <laughs> I just, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not, there's, it's a situation right now that I'm just not crazy for coming up. And I don't like it. Either or. So... Next, we had Tay Conti being interviewed. Jade Cargill came up. Like, another match. Because Anna Jay held Tay back. Because Jade Cargill's like, keep talking smack and I'll reach over there and knock you out and stuff like that. And I'm like, this is just a match. I don't care. Like, you can't get me fully invested at this point in Jade and and Tay Conti. At all. At all. Jade Cargill is still fucking leagues fucking needs leagues of fucking training. She still is not that good. Like she's, you're just trying to make her feel like she's some dominant monster by giving her an undefeated streak. I think again, she needs a lot of work. She still needs so much work. She's not good. Yeah. And you can't put her in this match with Ty Conti and expect Ty to make her fucking feel like she's good. Ty Conti can't carry this match to make Jade Cargill look good and vice versa. Like, it's not gonna be good. This match might be a complete fucking disaster. So, Sammy Guevara came out, did his cue card thing again, as usual, during picture in picture, came back to it. Chris Statlander and Layla Hirsch had dueling promos. Again, this feud, another one that, again, you tried to make feel like it was big a big deal, but it's honestly not. And then Just, they did the weird thing where, like, Chris Statlander does, says, like, the, the, the most heel possible thing to Layla. I mean, she and did. Like, the Lay- Layla, this entire dueling promo thing... Was just like, I, I don't want to talk. I want to kick her ass. Was, she said, no wonder my parents gave me up for adoption. That was literally what 
Chris Statlander said, and I don't get why we went that route. Why the fuck did she say Chris that? Chris Statlander's supposed to be a baby face, right? Why would a baby face say something like that? Why is this deal? feud trying to feel like it's a big deal? It's not. Layla's just fucking in this stint, like, where she's just, oh, well, you weren't focused on our six-woman tag match. Like, what? It's so fucking dumb. Like, it's a really stupid feud. And honestly, I'm just not into it. So, next was Wardlow. Again, another jobber match for Wardlow. But again, it's Wardlow. Everybody loves Wardlow right now. Everybody loves him. You know? So, Wardlow pretty much just decimates Cesar Bononi with the, the Powerbomb Symphony. Glad because Cesar Bononi got fucking no offense in. <laughs> Post match, well, he, he did get a knee. He did get a yeah, knee to woo. the gut. Yeah. Other than that, Wardlow killed him. Yeah. So after the match, Sean Spears went to go in with the chair. Wardlow blocked the chair, and Sean Spears tried to get all ballsy and get in Wardlow's face, and then he realized, oh god, maybe I shouldn't. Like maybe I don't want to duel with a fucking angry rhinoceros. He literally was like ready to fucking square up to Wardlow and then when he looked Wardlow in the face he's like oh that's right it's Wardlow he's like oh right that's Wardlow I shouldn't be doing that (laughs) I'm like yeah you shouldn't and I'm like just kill him just fucking kill him like come on he's right there end him just pick him up powerbomb him over the top right on the ramp just fucking fling him (laughs) fucking hook him come on just done that's it. Huck him out of goddamn Daly's place. Right? Just gone. That's Send him it. to the fucking stratosphere. Right? Like, my God. So, commentary was talking about Rampage and Revolution. We went to a commercial. We came back. Malachi Black, his normal freaking cryptic promos, again, talked about giving Pentagon new sight and new levels of violence. Brody King joined in say that they represent the parts of the human condition that society has shunned. Buddy Matthew says they don't cast judgment. They seek the truth. They're the house, and the house always wins. Again, I love just listening to these guys talk. It's just the dark cryptic promo and all this stuff, and everyone's like, uh, okay. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I fucking have no issue with this. Malachi Black can talk any fucking thing he wants, and I'll just sit back and listen. Because I love Malachi Black. He could say anything. I wouldn't understand a single word what he just said because he uses big words, and I'll be like, that was dope. Yeah. That was fucking awesome. I love Malachi Black, and I love the House of Black. The three of them right now is probably my favorite faction right now. And I I hope that they don't fucking screw this up. Because I'm already sad that Malachi got stuck with bullshit for so long and now it's finally time to do something else and it just feels like, eh, okay. Like, it's interesting though. Don't get me wrong. If it's going to lead to Phoenix coming back, we're going to get Dark Phoenix and we're going to get a six-person tag match. A six-man tag between Death Triangle and the House of Black. Yes, please. All of that. Just because I want to see Buddy Matthews mix it up with all three of them. 
of Death Triangle. I want to see Malachi Black do whatever at this fucking point. And Brody King, keep being the fucking monster you are, bro. You are fucking fantastic. So, Wardlow and Sean Spears were interviewed backstage. Spears begs off and calls MJF over because MJF says he's got some good news. He says if he, he told Wardlow if he wins the face of the Revolution ladder match and then wins the TNT title, he'll let him keep the title, but he won't win anyway, he said. And Wardlow immediately... He finally snapped back at him. Yes. Just MJF just set him off then. Wardlow says that's because he's busy making sure Max wins. That was the thing that MJF just was like, oh, wait a second. So he backed up, came over to Wardlow, and slapped him in the fucking face. Right there. We both just were like, just do it, Wardlow. Just fucking do it. Don't just stand there and look at him. Fucking murder. Mayhem. You are Mr. Mayhem for a reason. Rip his fucking Cause that, out. right? Cause what your name is. Mr. Mayhem. Cause that shit. Tear through these guys like you're a fucking hurricane. Tear them apart. But he didn't. He reminds Wardlow. MJF told him that he doesn't work for AEW. He works for him. And if he mistakes his kindness for weakness, he'll put his family out in the street. MJF is a fucking evil person. And again, it, it's. I think they're still doing a, a, a great job at just making you want to see Wardlow just rip them apart. Yeah. It's just the tension where you're just sitting there and you see MJF reach back and slap him in the face and you're like, Wardlow, don't let him just slap you in the face. Rip his arm off and slap him back with it. Something. Stop just looking at him. Kill him, like, for Christ's sake. It's just so much anticipation where you just see them just talking shit about Wardlow. Doing this, doing that, slapping him, all this other stuff. And you just see him go like, yes, do it. Just come on. Cause some mayhem. It's like, fuck. Stop doing it. Like, it, when it happens, the crowd's going to erupt. Yeah, Everyone's going to erupt. It's going to be a fucking absolute joy. To watch Wardlow just decimate the shit out of all of them. <laughs> all of them. Especially Sean Spears. Sean Spears, FTR, MJF. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. And then we got our main event. Adam Cole teaming with Red Dragon to face Hangman Page and Alex Reynolds and John Silver. Again, another thing of did we really need to see champion and challenger in the same match again yeah exactly again listen i love adam cole and i love hangman page do i think their match at revolution is going to be fucking fantastic absolutely absolutely but i kind of just wanted them to stay apart we're this close to revolution did you really need to get the two of them in the ring with each other you could have kept teasing the match. You could have just had Red Dragon face Reynolds and Silver. And that was it. Yes, that would have been a probably, probably lackluster main event. But honestly, 
with how good Reynolds and Silver are and how good Red Dragon is, would anyone have really complained? As much as I agree that they should have just kept Hangman and Adam Cole apart until Revolution, at least with this match, they didn't have the fucking challenger pin the champion. Or vice in versa. The, in the fucking finale, or the finish of the match. Or vice versa. Yeah. Either, so... Fucking Adam Colpin, Alex Reynolds. Which was fine. That was a perfect way to end it. And this match was awesome. It was a really good six-man tag to end the show. As far as I'm concerned, I thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. Because, again, Adam Cole and Hangman Page, to me, is going to be awesome. I cannot wait to see the two of them go at it. I know they've probably gone at it before, but this, to me, is my first experience of the two of them in a match. They probably went at it in ROH. They probably went at it in some other fucking place. Like, probably New Japan. But again, my first time seeing these two one-on-one, and I can't wait to see it. The world title match is going to be fucking fantastic. So after the match, Cole beat up uh, Alex Reynolds some more. Page went to make the save. Red Dragon tried to take the champion out, but he fought them off. Cole went for the buckshot, or he, yeah, he went up, he went for Cole with the buckshot. Bobby Fish kicked him in the leg, took him out there. They ended up duct taping Hangman to the ropes, and then beat up Silver and Reynolds. The high low from Red Dragon on John Silver, the Panama Sunrise on Alex Reynolds. They had the the really cool shot of where they. After that, where Hangman tried to get out of it. He was wiggling around trying to get out of it. Cole hit him with a super kick. He was slumped over in the ropes the entire time. And he just had that really fucking cool sight of just Fish and O'Reilly looking over at the camera. And you had Adam Cole just ducked down, just staring into the camera with Hangman Page just kind of slumped over, just trying to get back up. I thought it was a really good sight to see at the end of the night. I, I, again, this this tag match was really good. And I'm still looking forward to Cole and Paige. So, yeah. So, with that, I think we jump into our quick, maybe quick, I don't know if it's going to be quick, we'll find out. I think it will. Revolution. I think we we said a vast majority of... Yeah. Revolution predictions. So, pre-show has, the the buy-in has two matches. We start with Hook and QT Marshall. I think it's obvious here. Hook... I, this, this feud's stupid. QT Marshall is fucking a waste. Marshall. I'm not calling him Marshall just because everybody goes, there's two L's, so you have to call him Marshall. Fuck that. It's Marshall. Marshall. It's Marshall, just because Tony Schiavone is a moron. Just, Hook gets the win. Like, again, we've been liking Hook from what we saw. So, just have him beat the shit out of QT Marshall. I'm fine with it. Don't even let QT get any offense. Just let Hook kill him. I don't fucking care. It'll be fine by me. And then Statlander and Layla Hirsch is the other one. I think Layla Uh, gets the win. That's a tough one. This is like, again, this feud just feels like a fucking waste as far as I'm concerned. It still doesn't feel right, and it's fucking weird that we're trying to say, Chris Statlander's the baby face, but she says, this is why your parents fucking gave you up for adoption. If that isn't fucked up in every sort of way, like, it's like Drew McIntyre calling himself a baby face, but he swings a sword around like he's trying to decapitate a fucking human being. Like, come on. 
I I would honestly say that Statlander gets the win, so we end this. I don't really know because even if Lay even if Layla wins again, I I either way I hope it's the end of this because I just think this is stupid. Yeah, it's really just kind of pointless. We got Jade Cargill and Ty Conti. Honestly, I don't really care. I'm not into either one. Jade gets the win honestly because undefeated streak. I don't think she loses it to Ty Conti. Of all people. Yeah, no. We, we've we said our fucking takes on Ty Conti. Her and Sammy Guevara's relationship is fucking disgusting anymore. She's just... She's just and I'd just there. like to point out that it has nothing to do with the fact of the very convenient timing of Sammy breaking up with his fiance and then going out with fucking Tay. It has nothing to do with that. It's just <laughs> the fact that every single goddamn video or fucking picture they post has to be... One of them has to be them kissing. We it's get just, it. You're dating. Just stop. Yeah. It's just a nauseating fucking couple. Next was the AHFO Andrade Hardy family office of Andrade, Isaiah Cassidy, and Matt Hardy versus Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, and Sting. Darby, Sammy, and Sting all the way for me. Just yeah. fucking... The Hardy family office... At this point, if Andrade's taken over and Hardy's getting kicked out, just fucking do it already. If like, I'm being honest with you, this is how I see it happening. I see, like you said, I see Darby, Sammy, and Sting winning. Then Andrade being pissed, attacking Matt. Everyone, the rest of the Hardy family fucking starts beating up on Matt as well, and that's when we get Jeff. So you think Revolution is where we get Jeff? Jeff's going to come out and help his brother. Wouldn't be surprising. Again, we talked about the Jeff Hardy stuff. It's not if he's coming, it's when he's coming. And, and especially since he literally just said, oh, I'm going to AEW. Yeah, so if he's going to show up, it, helping his brother is probably the only fucking way I would see it happening either. So Next we have the triple threat. For the world tag titles, for the AW tag titles, Jurassic Express defending against Red Dragon and the Young Bucks. I, I still think Jurassic Express retains here. Yeah, I think there's going to be more dysfunction. Yeah, more tension between, between Red, Red Dragon, Dragon and, Bucks. and the Bucks. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be something to keep that feud going. I honestly don't think you need to give either one of them the tag titles. I don't see the fucking point of interjecting the tag titles between that feud, like... I get it would make their feud feel bigger, but it's already big enough, really, if you think about it. We don't need to... It's heading towards a fucking Adam Cole and Red Dragon versus Kenny and the Bucks match. Yeah, in a nutshell, like, that six-man tag is going to be outstanding. Yeah. But you don't need to interject the tag titles. Let's keep Jurassic Express with the tag titles so they have a reason to fucking, you know... Give them a good title reign. Something right now. We have Moxley versus Danielson is next. Honestly, to me, I don't care how this match ends. I'm just excited for this. Yeah, I don't I don't have any sort of bias done me neither. who I want to win. But if I had to give my choice, I, I honestly think Brian gets the win. See, and I have, I, I'm kind of leaning towards Mox. I think with him coming back, I think Danielson can take the loss. Mox kind of needs it right now. But, 
again, I'm not a, I'm not against either one of them winning yeah, because it, this match is just going to be neither do I nuts. I don't have any sort of bias leaning towards anyone. Yeah. Next is on the list we have Chris Jericho and Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston yeah. needs this win. Yeah, Eddie. There's no other choice. Eddie Kingston wins this, or else fuck this, because Chris Jericho doesn't need to keep winning. There's no need. Chris Jericho's in a fucking state where he's not doing anything of fucking importance. Yeah. Just give Eddie Kingston that win where he's beaten Chris Jericho, and that's it. Nothing that Jericho is doing right now is quality. Yes. It's not like it's improving AEW television. Yeah. So. Eddie, and again, Eddie's lost so much. Give him this fucking win already. Yeah. Something. Jericho is not, again, Jericho's not doing anything of importance. Give Kingston the win. So, this right here is, we have the face of the revolution ladder match next, where the winner gets a TNT championship match. I hate how they fucking change that. First off, the gist of what I'm seeing here by this lineup is there is no surprise entrance. Right now. Which I'm I'm honestly kind of happy with. <clears throat> yeah. So, so far we have Keith Lee, Orange Cassidy, Powerhouse Hobbs, Ricky Starks, and Wardlow. We also have Christian Cage versus Ethan Page. Boy, that is annoying to say. <laughs> Trying to fucking remember to say that one. On Rampage, the winner gets added to this match. Should we take a quick... Uh, of, of who's going to win that? I, I think, think Christian. Yeah, I think Christian. Yeah. I, I mean, Ethan winning would be big. I think Ethan beating Christian is a big fucking deal, but I I don't see the point. And in don't adding. get me wrong, I could see Ethan beating Christian. Yeah, because it makes more sense. Because all these people in this match are like, yeah, up and coming people. Yeah, I think Ethan beating Christian makes more sense. But it also, I I think Christian really needs that boost because right now he le- he really seems like a mascot he's he seems like jurassic express's mascot he's literally just being marco stunt since they don't have marco stunt they're yeah, just like we I, have a bigger we have a bigger and more popular and legendary marco stunt now like I, I hate it i hate that christian is just standing there that's what i'm saying it's fucking stupid that he came to AEW and all he ended up becoming is a mascot Amazingly, he hasn't... Luckily, he's in AEW, and he's not walking around in a fucking T-Rex costume. Because that would be awful. Yeah. But, the face of the Revolution ladder match. If Christian goes in, who do we got winning this match? I mean, if it's either Christian or Ethan, I still don't think either of them win. I don't either. I think Wardlow gets the win. You think Wardlow gets the win? Yeah. I think Wardlow wins. He wins the TNT title from... Either Andrade, Darby, or Sammy, and then go into a feud with MJF. Dude, the thing is, does MJF and Wardlow in, a, in an eventual match need the TNT title? No, but I think it adds on to it more. See, this is a tough one to me. Because. See, the way I look at it is this. Whether it's Ethan or Christian, it doesn't matter. I don't, think, I don't think either one of them are winning. I don't yeah. think Keith Lee wins because he's too new to the situation. See, that's, see, with Keith Lee being in it, I think the odds, even though he's new, he's only had two matches. I think this, in all technicalities, really leads to him 
having higher odds to win. I don't. I don't think so. I think him being too new doesn't warrant him having an opportunity. Well, it warrants him having the opportunity, but I don't think it warrants him having the the win. Hmm. Orange Cassidy, I don't think he wins because I feel personally he's been in too many situations like this. See, he's had too many title opportunities. You want to know what's the bad thing? If Keith Lee isn't the obvious pick, my pick is probably going to be Orange Cassidy. If, <sighs> if, if, if I don't go with the obvious pick here and I don't go Keith Lee because I really think it's going to be Keith Lee, the man's only had two matches. After Rampage, he's only had two matches. This at this point he's winning the rump. To me, he's winning the ladder match, as far as I'm concerned. If not, if you don't go with the obvious pick, I go with Orange Cassidy, because Powerhouse Hobbs I don't see winning it. Yeah, as much as I wish he would win it, because that would be nice for him. I don't think Hobbs or Starks win. Yeah, and as much as I would love to see Ricky win and go win the TNT title, as much as I would love to see Powerhouse Hobbs win and win the TNT title, I just don't think they're winning because for some reason. They're still because with them still being associated with Team Taz, I think they're just stuck in fucking obscurity. Because Team Taz just is just falling downhill. It sucks. It sucks because they're not on TV ever, and when they are, all they're doing is cutting a promo about what's Team Taz gonna do next. Well, maybe we'd like to find out what Team Taz is gonna do next. You know. Like, it sucks for them. They're trapped in obscurity right now. Yeah. Like, again, Christian or Ethan Page, as much as the two of them, either one of them in the match, I don't think they're going to win either. I think the obvious is Keith Lee. If I had to pick, if they wanted to go with a big one, I think Orange Cassidy gets it. I personally think it's going to be Wardlow. I don't think Wardlow and... MJF in an, in an an eventual face-to-face one-on-one needs the TNT title. I really don't. Well, that could ev- that could lead <laughs> even more because Wardlow could win this match. I know it would be a complete I mean, waste. I mean, it Wardlow could. could win this match and then MJF could just cost him. The thing is though, how would would MJF really be the guy to go, "Hey, I'm going to go for the TNT title." Like, I mean, if we're being realistic here, MJF says he's going for titles all the time, and he never does. I don't know. Maybe I, I again. I don't. I don't have any issue with saying Wardlow wins, because again, again, I'm not gonna be mad if Wardlow wins. I think Wardlow winning is fucking perfect. Again, even if it does involve the TNT title with MJF, eventually that feud when those two finally have a one on one, it's gonna be really fucking good. Either with or without the TNT title. But do I think it honestly needs it? I don't really know. Really. I think I think they either go with the obvious and Keith Lee gets the win. Or we go with the, the, the random win and just give it to Orange Cassidy. So. Next is the AEW women's title match. Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa. Uh, listen, I'm trying my damnedest. To hope that this match is as good as their lights out match. Even though it's not a no DQ match. It's literally a one-on-one. I'm hoping that this match fucking 
exceeds my expectations. Because right now, they're low as shit. But if they can beat those expectations and this match ends up really good, I will be happy. The thing is, it doesn't matter if this match is good. It doesn't For me, yeah. that is. It doesn't ma- matter if this match is good, if this match is bad, if this match is awful, if this match is subpar, great, fantastic, no, the that's... best of all time. Thunder needs to win this. Yes, Thunder needs to win this, but again... Even if Britt wins this, again, I still think we're heading down a path that I'm not going to like for Britt. And that sucks. Like, I, I at this point, though, I want the title off of Britt. Yeah. The, the rain, this rain has been so lackluster to me. It's had, what, two matches in it that's been worth it, really? Like, and that was, one of them was a random fucking pay-per-view match with Chris Statlander which was better than most of them like the rest of it's just been nothing really and it sucks because but again it just felt like you know Brit's the golden girl for there it was you have to they're trying their damnedest to put the title on her without feeling like they jumped the gun and gave her the title and then they finally gave her the title and it's just it's been such a lackluster run and it needs to end. It's yeah. been it's been long enough. It's time for Thunder to take the title. So they think putting Britt Baker constantly in fucking backstage fucking segments where she's talking with fucking her stooge Tony Schiavone and saying the same goddamn thing. Every the guy who's supposed week. to be impartial because he's a fucking commentator, but you know, I love Britt Baker. You know, so does the crowd for some reason, even though they boo the shit out of her. But because she says DMD, everybody gets to pop. Like, come on, guys. Thunder takes the title, though. Hopefully. Yeah. As much as, again, I'm not interested in where it goes with Britt after. Because from what we talked about with Supercard of Honor, I think Britt's next for that. So either way, it's champ champ or singles champ. Or single champ. Either way, I don't like either decision. So, but I hope Thunder takes the title just to get rid of this reign. Yeah. More than like, mostly. Next is the dog collar match. CM Punk and MJF. This match, to me, is going to be outstanding. It's going to be, it's going to be so bloody. For the fucking, the match that we've seen... When it comes to the dog collar match, we've now seen the dog collar match with two different people, like two different times. The Roddy Piper and Greg Valentine one, which was fucking an absolute classic. It's fucking great. And the one with Brody and Cody, which again was great. Mm -hmm. I just think the ending was the wrong fucking, I think the outcome was the wrong outcome. Yeah. In the end. Because it was. Yes. It was literally Cody taking the title back after saying, Hey, thanks for holding this while I went to go film a show. I'll take that back now, thank you. <laughs> like, this match is going to be, with the story they've told with it, it feels fucking insanely personal. And I cannot wait to see this. This might be the one CM Punk match that I can say I enjoyed. 
A lot of them were just, Punk's going to have a match because he's got to get a lot of wins because they're not going to have CM Punk lose. But now that Punk's lost, I want to say MJF beats him again. I really do. I hope I hope MJF does beat him again. But I don't see it happening. Yeah, I, I honestly, like, I want to say I hope Punk loses again. But I have a feeling they're just going to have Punk get his redemption. Which, again, if the match ends up being as fucking amazing as I think it's going to be, I don't think I'm really going to be objective against Punk winning. But I just kind of say that I just kind of think that MJF needs to beat him again. I don't know why. I mean, you're not wrong. MJF beating him again would it MJF in all in all realism MJF hasn't won a feud since the Cody feud. Yeah. And that's a long time. It's a long sure, time. Sure he beat Jericho, but he didn't win the feud. Yeah. Sure he fucking beat uh he didn't even beat Moxley when he went for the fucking M- or the nope. AEW title. Nope, that was his first loss because he was undefeated at the time. And he lost to Mox, so that was a thing. But other than that, I, I honestly believe that if Punk wins this, this is what's going to send him to the world title. Yeah. I think this is, I think this match, if Punk wins this match, this sends Punk to the world title. Ah. I do. I really think it is. I think with this match, this is the one where Punk's going to come out the week after, either either the the Dynamite after, or it's going to be like a couple weeks from then, where he comes out and says, I beat MJF in one of the most violent matches here. I think I've earned my shot at the world title. And that's it. I mean... I mean... uh, You're probably right. That's the thing. But, I do. I really think that's what we're going to go with. And I think, like, even but even with MJF, I think it's the same thing. I think MJF ends up going for the world title again if he wins this. I don't think he does. You don't think, I think so? I think next, no matter what. I think it should. I think no. next, no matter what, is the Wardload feud. Yeah. So, in, in all technicalities, the only thing that this match really does, like, yeah... It's good for MJF because it says, yeah, I beat Punk again. I outsmarted Punk leading up to this match, and then I beat him again. Like, that's a big deal for MJF. But if Punk wins this match, I think Punk goes for the world title. I, 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 yeah, I could see that. I think it's, again, I, I think it's an obvious outcome for MJF, but I actually think it's an honest, like, an, an, an easy fucking decide, like, decision on what the outcome would be for Punk after this match. Mm-hmm. So, but again, I, I'm just going to love this match. I know it's going to be violent. I know it's going to be bloody. I know it's going to be brutal. But I can't wait to watch it. It's going to be fucking incredible, especially with the story that's been told. It's going to be worth a watch. Yeah, for sure. So, and then we have our main event. Hangman Page defending against Adam Cole. Again, like, I, I don't... I want to be the guy and say the obvious that Hangman Page doesn't lose the title. 
I really don't think he does. Yeah, I don't think he does either. I think Adam Cole takes his first loss right now in AEW, and then we just continue his match, like his build, with who's he going to align with, and eventually until Kenny comes back. I really do. It's just... Do I want to see Adam Cole win the title? Yes, but I don't want to see Hangman lose his title run so this soon. early. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, it sucks to see Adam Cole take a loss, but I think it's kind of necessary at this point. Mm-hmm. I don't think Hangman loses yet. I think Hangman goes on to his, to Punk next. The only thing is, I think Punk might take it off of Hangman. Uh, That's the concerning one for me. Because honestly, with Punk here, the one thing I said is they're going to do their damnedest to get him to the world title as fast as fucking humanly possible. They gave him all those wins to get him near when they actually decide to fucking follow the rankings... They went with the one time... They went as as many matches as possible to get Punk up the rankings so the one time they actually look at him and go, look, CM Punk's like next in line. We gotta get him there. Like, I think... I, I really think that Punk... Like, if he wins the dog collar match, he's next in line for the title. And I honestly think that Hangman's reign is gonna end. At to for Punk's expense, and that sucks. Because all that shit you did to build up Hangman to take the title off of Kenny, and I feel like it's just going to be ending to give it to CM Punk, so AEW can walk around and go, not only did we bring CM Punk back, but we made him our world champion again. And that's concerning to me. Yeah. I... It, it makes sense, for sure, but it also is just not something I want to see I at mean, the current... I, if anyone's going to take it off of fucking... <coughs> if anyone's going to take it off a of Hangman, I don't think it should be Punk. I don't think it should be either, but I have a feeling it's going to be. Like, no matter how much I don't want it to happen, I gotta just accept the fact that Punk is going to be AEW World Champion eventually. It's, it's, it's gonna happen. And I, again, I, I've said it, like I said, it's going, I think they did everything they could to get him there as fast as possible, but they didn't want to make it completely obvious that that's where they wanted to put him. And I think that's where we're going. And that's, again, concerning because, again, I'm not on the bandwagon of Punk. I've, I, again, I lost my fandom for CM Punk when he left and said, you know what? The business fucking can eat a dick. I don't give a shit about the business. I'm going to talk shit about it as much as possible. You pretty much went out there and said that you don't give a shit about this business. But because you got to be in a company that's shit talk the company that you fucking hate with a fucking passion. You get you see a company that's shit talking WWE and you're just like, well, that's an opportunity for me to come back. Now we can shit talk the E together like it, it's it's literally going to end in Punk winning the world title again it's just so AEW can be that guy to, just so AEW can be that one to say we brought Punk back and we made him world champion yeah. and I, it's not it's concerning 
but I know it's coming. But I have a feeling it's coming. But do I think Revolution has a fucking strong card minus the stuff that we don't like? Yeah. For sure. A lot of the the other matches, the outside of the ones that I think are just kind of blah, is a strong fucking card. Yeah, like, like, like Paige and Cole, Punk and MJF, yep. uh, Brian and Mox. Yep. Even even the uh, the triple threat tag team match. Yeah, more tag than likely going to be great. The fucking the ladder match the ladder has a match. chance has a chance to be good, and I know that the casino I know that the the ladder matches get fucked a lot. Like they get a lot of shit, and they're sometimes very underwhelming. But I I I, I hope this one's good. Yeah. In the end, so this is it. We're now three hours deep. Longest episode. Woo! Part two, technically? No, this is our longest one. No, we already went three hours no, last time. we did time. not. Yeah, we did. I no, thought. We, we, went, we went like two and a half hours. We wow. are officially three hours <laughs> and 11 minutes in. Well, we'll find out. Because if it is, if this is actually the longest episode, well, that might be the title of this one. We but. apologize. <laughs> <laughs> we apologize for any and all three hours of your time <laughs> if you have hey. the three hours to spare please hey in the end we had fun with this right yeah, we had a fun doing this episode always that's the fucking main thing about this so if if i if i could sit down for three hours of my time <laughs> and talk about aw and nxt slash wwe in general yep and talk about the shit that we don't like, the shit that we do like, and the fucking ridiculous shit like the pepper. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't complain. <laughs> the fucking pepper is the greatest thing ever because even Marcus loved that shit. <laughs> like that's fucking great. I saw his tweet. Yes, and it's fucking funny because it's fucking random because you were so fucking mind blown by it. It was the best, but anyway, we did it. He will forever be known as the Pepper Knight. I, I will fucking be fine with it, because it's funny as fuck. So, you can follow us on Twitter, at JustinTime211. Fuck, I forgot my... <laughs> Shit. Alright. At, at Jeremy and Time... Seven two one. All right, brain stopped working. I was like, I, I, what? The Twitter, Twitter. It's the right. fucking. It's the it's the equivalent of the SpongeBob thing where they're running around in his brain and they're Looking like, for my fucking brain yeah. files. <laughs> they're like, what's next? What is he supposed to say? You said your fucking Twitter handle and all all in my brain. I heard was fucking dial up noises. <laughs> but anyway. Follow me on Twitter, JustinTime211. Jeremy and Time721. We will see you guys next episode. We are out of here.